0: House of Boxes are rockin yes, please, come a-knockin'. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Boxing Edition as we dip more than our fists into that plaster of Paris for another Loaded Gloves explosion of the performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear, ready to unleash yet another absolutely loaded show that will make your day.
1: It's a hard-on day for me today.
0: Me as well, Eddie, no doubt about that. Not only will we recap what went on in DAZN over the weekend in England as Anthony Joshua defended a trio of heavyweight titles, we will preview this Sunday's sloppy Super Bowl. That is Victor Ortiz, John Molina Jr. and a battle of washed welters. Oh, yeah, am I fired up about that?
1: Dude, this is nuts. It
0: really is. Wow. We got a pair. Hey, look, if that wasn't enough, guys, if that wasn't enough to get you through your week.
2: Everyone's cheating themselves, right? and I'm just getting started. We
0: are just getting started because we also have a pair of fun interviews sliding your way as 140-pound king Regis Progre who Rafe and I chat with last weekend in Vegas, stops by for a lengthy interview that, that, that you, you just got to hear to believe. And Showtime personality and International Boxing Hall of Famer Steve Harhood is going to drop in. Farhood, I said, who's celebrating 40 years of boxing. We'll talk fun moments. We'll talk the heavyweight scene. We will talk it all. But to do the talking, i got to bring in my man. They call him Big Red. He's internationally renowned for a lot of things. But the only thing I want to keep pushing right now is his new book, Basketball, A Love Story. You've seen him all over the airwaves and pods. You need that book. Let's bring him in right now. Yes, he respects cruiserweights. He respects all that stuff. He's probably got a theme song somewhere. Hey, he'll be your candy liquor for the right price. Let me lick you up. Let
3: me lick you down. down. Let me lick you, all Tell you going down. Let me
1: lick you go.
0: Oh baby, Rafe oh, Bartholomew, oh, welcome back to the oh, show my oh, friend. And hey, congrats on all the book success. Well earned and deserved. This thing's flying off the shelves.
3: I certainly hope so. Yeah, it was an awesome week. I got to go on ESPN. I'm first time I've ever been on ESPN TV. I'm not like you, Brian. I'm not I'm not like one of these hot shot guys. I used to once in a while do the stand-ups, making the rounds with you and occasionally Eric Raskin after the fights, oh, yeah. but that was digital only. I'm I'm linear now, baby. Screw streaming, screw the zone. No, I love you to zone. No, but okay, it was cool. You. The the book is going pretty well. We let it out the cage. It listens to me very well and uh, you know, it, it's 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 a crazy time of of one's life because you get about three weeks to promote your ass off and feel like a total media whore and it feels a little bit dirty but you got to do it because after that no one ever cares and they forget <laughs> you ever existed
0: <laughs> uh, so you're on top of the world for like another week and a half enjoy it Rafe. enjoy it i'm cruising did you did you was there a forward written by omar epps or am i just going to stop with that joke
3: I fit run with it. I love that movie, man. It, it, the the four-quarter structure, it was the the beautiful moments, the scene with the the love scene with the Maxwell song playing. Oh, wow. I mean, oh, that's yeah. and that's good stuff.
0: That is that is great. <laughs> great stuff right there. Do you know what was great stuff over the weekend, Rafe? Heavyweight boxing in the zone, if you will. Will you? Did you did you buy it?
3: Did you did you slide in that DZone or did you just illegally stream it? I am a legal Consumer, a legal customer of DAZN. Yes. I'm in zone. I look. I I I ha, look. They support the WBSS. All right. They they're putting money in Sourland's pockets. They're putting money in Usyk's pockets. They're buying double kebabs for all of us. So you know I'm supporting for that reason, but also for this Anthony Joshua Povetkin fight and and a, a bunch of the rest of the programming. But really, I'm just I got to show love to Usyk.
0: Can we show love before we get into that heavyweight championship bout, which was the main event in front of 85,000 at London's Wembley Stadium? Look like it a rocking event, as always. Can we show love for our man and our men, Todd Grisham and Sergio Mora on the undercard call one week after Todd Grisham joined this show? To talk about Load Watch 2018, to say no, I've never said that, or I, you know, I avoid that at all costs. And then his partner Sergio Mora, during the David Price bout, when Pricey quit on his stool after four rounds, dropped us this one. He
1: might have shot his load a little
0: bit, Rafe. I mean, that's not quite like you know
2: Mayweather, yummy dog. Come no, on.
0: wrong Button. That's not quite as as well as the other shooter loads, but it's right in the pantheon there it's right in the category
3: it happens Rafe. it happens brian i'm starting to wonder if we are somehow astroturfing this by the vibes we are putting out into the world are somehow trickling into the minds of the broadcasters who are covering fights and and they're just compelled to talk about Bells being shot. It's it's our people. It's the listeners of the show. We don't have some catchy name
0: for the listeners of the show. The the ITC universe. We don't have anything lame like that. But these people show up, and I forgot the name of the dude who sent us the tweet within one second of Mora making that like making that comment. I wish I could give him a shout out. And then we've heard about that contender one of. I've gotten five different tweets and two DMs about the contender one. Finally, Rob at T.W.N. Dad on Twitter was like, you got to put this on the show already. Shane Mosley Jr. Pause, pause, Lee Jr. on the contender. I mean, Rafe, it's a phenomenon. It's
3: not even a joke anymore. Like, yeah, we ask all our guests, but it's taking over the world. It's true. We It used to be the kind of thing where... Once in a while, it would happen, and we'd sort of giggle to each other, like, "Man, only in boxing does some does a broadcaster talk about someone shooting his load." Now it's like not not only in, not just a once in a while you will catch this, but just turn your TV on or or start streaming something once a week, and and you know what's coming at you.
0: Wow, wow! All right, now that we got that gross stuff out of the way, Anthony Joshua defended his WBA, WBO, and IBF championships with a seventh round TKO. Over a game-hardened and ready Alexander Povetkin in what turned out to be a very fun fight, Rafe. Joshua gets the spectacular finish with the two knockdowns and the referee waving it off in round seven. But what we had for the first six, Rafe, was kind of what I was telling people, which was don't count out this guy Povetkin because he's probably like the third or fourth best heavyweight in the world in reality. I know you had questions with age coming in, questions with Is he on Meldonium? Can he fight well without it? Rafe, he had a great game planned. His awkward rhythm and his accuracy became a problem for Joshua from round one when Joshua got rocked with a beautiful three-punch combination. I give AJ credit because there was three of those first six rounds that he used his distance well, he boxed well, but for those other three, I don't want to say he was in trouble, but he was under fire and under pressure. Because if you look at the stats afterwards, Povekkin landed, like, two jabs in like, one body shot. It was full-on power punch headhunt the whole time. And if he wasn't stopped there, yes, they probably were going to rob him on the scorecards no matter what. But I was interested in seeing if he could really break Joshua down the stretch. But guess what, Rafe? It didn't happen. Because AJ... It did... AJ's a finisher, bro. I mean, AJ is a friggin' finisher.
3: Yeah, that was nasty. Uh, look... I wasn't that surprised at how this fight played out. I was with you. I agreed that Povetkin is a real talented. Still, even even at 39, he had whether it was due to the magic of meldonium or Russia's mother milk, who knows? He has looked better in recent years you than he looked magic? before magic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He, he's still hearing Teddy in in, in in his ears, and that's that's keeping him going. Um, you know, he looked good. He and there was I didn't see any reason to to think that he would come out come into this fight flat or just get dominated or not show anything. And these the the best the top heavyweights Joshua Wilder, they are they have great power. They're great athletes. They're not great boxers. That we no one thinks they are. I mean, we 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 make jokes about wilder windmilling but and and Joshua might be is definitely a little less crazy and wild in the ring than that but he still is not some sort of technician in there he still has a little bit of awkwardness in the ring and not kind of crafty awkwardness but just sort of you could see the gears turning in his head while he fights and that's not necessarily a uh, that's not a huge knock on him he's still undefeated he's got wins over Vladimir Klitschko, Povetkin, uh, Dillian White, before we knew that Dillian White was actually pretty good, you know, he's, he, the, the, the resume is starting to get pretty impressive, even if he doesn't always look like Muhammad Ali, cause he ain't Muhammad Ali. We ain't gonna get that again, uh, at heavyweight, probably, maybe never. Uh, so, yeah, he's not the per- he's not a perfect boxer. He got out boxed a little bit, he had some trouble. But yo, once, you better not get in trouble against him, because, it's it's a wrap. Like he that what a finish that no, was. Oh, I don't like want to go emphatic, crazy.
0: I mean, they were making weird comparisons on the broadcast that like you know he's throwing combos like a middleweight. Look at the speed, precision. But they were nasty for heavyweight boxing. A six six guy that athletic to throw beautiful combinations that were fully accurate and flush. He gets guys out of there when he has them hurt. You got to give him that credit. There's only one fight that went the distance his career. So you got to give him that credit. And it was the Parker one last time. But because. These guys are flawed. And that's, again, what makes this division so much fun right now. Everybody can talk. Most of them can bang. And most of them are pretty vulnerable in their own way. So it's pretty awesome, this heavyweight era. But every time AJ goes in there, I think of the three that are unbeaten, AJ, Wilder, and Fury, we're harsher on AJ critically. Wilder, it's almost like we've accepted his flaws. And we say his flaws are almost his strength. He's so out of control with his helicopter. you know. We're like, that's almost helping him in a way. Fury, it's self-inflicted, all the stuff we we criticize on him. But AJ, every fight, it's like we want to pick apart and be like, no, nah, he's not, you know, he's going to get knocked out by, well, there's really not that real guy. And I think even after this performance, some people were wrongly crapping on him when the reality was he showed incredible poise. He had a good game plan. He was able to offset what Povetkin was doing and make adjustments and use his jab. I really liked almost everything I saw from AJ. Whereas my timeline on Twitter, more than 70% of it was anti-Joshua talk. I think this made a shift in my head, and maybe this will happen every fight. But when Wilder rallied to knock out Luis Ortiz, Rafe, I was like, guys, I had it wrong all along. Wilder's going to knock out AJ when they finally fight. I was wrong all along. Now I'm back on, you know what? AJ is just poised and has learned over the, each fight enough. I think that that fight might go the distance and he might win it.
3: Well, if that if we fight goes a distance, it depends what country it's in, who's, who's gonna win, cause it's either gonna happen in Vegas, where we already, we just saw a week ago what kind of, no, I mean that was a draw, but still, we know who wins in Vegas. The house fighter wins in Vegas. The home fighter wins in Vegas. And if it happens in the UK, Deontay Wilder ain't winning a decision yeah, ever, see those scores? ever, 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 ever. Um, Bro, you but, see those scores at the time of the stoppage? 5-1 AJ, oh. that was nuts across the board. Uh, I, I thought, I thought he might even be down 4 two or or three three. Yeah, I had um, a
0: three three, and I thought that was fair. I thought that was perfectly fair. Yeah,
3: fine. so they're gonna they're gonna have bad scorecards wherever it is. Luckily, it's very unlikely that a Wilder Joshua fight ever goes the distance. Uh, I, I was I think people are harshest on AJ or judge him the you know the the most closely because he is the most, he appears to be the most complete version of those fighters. He seems to have the most total package while still being clearly visibly flawed in some ways, not being a brilliant boxer. Uh, he still is a little more responsible. He's not quite as out of control as Wilder gets. He still has the power. He, he seems to try and set things up. And I wasn't, I thought it was a good performance. I did not expect him to steamroll Povetkin. I thought that Povetkin would Come in and 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 land punches and and make it a fight, and he did. And then once once Joshua was able to 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 land that right, you know, soften him up to the body a little bit before, and then boom, it it's, it was a, it was a wrap. I thought it was a strong enough performance for me, while still the guy is still not a perfect fighter, and I don't think he's going to be in his career. But if he beats all the guys that end up being in front of him then that's all he really needs to do. Tell me, Brian, tell me when I can start talking about Mr. Kebab Alexander oh, Usyk in the you, arena, giving him, it. giving AJ the crazy eyes from, from ringside. Have you seen that picture on Twitter?
0: I have not, but I got, I, I got some, sound, I got some quotes from, uh, Bellew saying he's not afraid of those crazy eyes, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, Usik was there for, for a big announcement that, man, that one day when we see that, oh, it's going to be so
3: good. But, okay, but Brian, gotta pause, let me, Usyk. let me you let you explain it to you since no. you are not, you're not out there on Twitter hearing Jimmy the way I do. Oh, how dare you. Uh, Usyk is sitting maybe second row, uh, staring. And you, said, the photo is taken from Joshua's back. I think it's after the knockout. Knockout. So, and he's looking. You can't tell if they're actually making eye contact, but he, but Joshua is facing Usyk's direction. Usyk has the hood up on his ugly black zip half leather jacket thing that he was wearing that day. He's got the hood up, and he's just. <laughs> beaming straight into the ring with the crazy kebab eyes. It was, it's fantastic.
0: Oh, that guy, everything that guy does. is just, it's just amazing.
3: Mama
1: finger, papa finger, hey, so
0: good. All right. To close on Joshua here, before we actually transition out, out Usyk's way at some point in the show, um, I'm just so excited about where the division's going. I mean, like, think about it. We have three unbeatens. Before Luis Ortiz lost, we had four. And they're all – we still don't know who's going to be the last man standing. And it's crazy fun. And they – you know, in Joshua's case, he draws big crowds. And he's learning on the job because he won the title against Sir Charles Martin or Prince Charles Martin in the 16th fight before really he was ready. you got to give him the credit for his evolution. He's evolving. He's becoming, uh, you know, a really good fighter to the point where, like – I think we overly – the performances against Takam and also against Joseph Parker were probably his two worst in recent memory. And we held those against him a lot in terms of warning signs. But I think he might be one of those guys to a degree that fights to the level of competition because I thought Pavekin coming in was the second most dangerous opponent besides Klitschko that he ever fought. And I thought this was probably his second best performance, you know, beyond Klitschko. Although, I mean, certainly there were holes in that Klitschko performance. But overall, he fought really good and was able to finish him where – we just, just gotta give him the respect. This division's wild. We just gotta give him the respect. I just can't wait to see what's gonna happen next. I know there's a possibility Dylan White slides, Dylan White slides in there for a rematch. I know it's not a guarantee that, you know, Joshua faces the winner of Wilder Fury, which by the way, officially was announced by PBC. We don't, we think it's on Showtime. That part wasn't official, but PBC put out a release that said December 1st pay-per-view Fury Wilder is on. Both fighters confirmed it, so that's great news. You hope, because Joshua's got April 13th at Wembley locked down, Rafe that he's going to automatically fight the winner. But this is boxing, and there's a lot of BS. Even if it gets pushed off, I'm not fighting that battle right now. I'm fighting the battle of I'm just so excited that 100% we're going to get Fury Wilder, and we may have a winner out of that, and then we can start banging the drum for Joshua against that guy. Great time to be alive, Rafe. We're back. I mean, the heavies, we're back, bro. Bang. We are back. We're, it feels kind of sort of bang sometimes. I mean, you're just not bang. You're just not banging them. We, we gotta
3: got bang them. A I mean, just a little, yeah, man. But Brian, here's the here's the problem. Sorry to rain on this parade a don't little bit. It. You know, don't give it a little it. tinkle. But don't tinkle with the finkle. Don't do it. Come look, I, I have to tinkle on it. Look, blame Finkle because I'm about to tinkle, Brian. You already hear what Eddie Hearn is saying about April 13th and Fury Wilder. He's saying Eddie Hearn is saying that they need to make a deal before December 1st. Oh, stop it! Anthony Joshua is saying I don't want to wait till December 1st. They have to. They have have, apparently Eddie Hearn is a busy man. He's got some business to take care. of. He wants to get that paper ready, saying, "Okay, Wilder, you beat Fury. We are locked in April 13th, ready to go."
0: Oh, man. I hate this crap. I hate that crap. I was just so excited about this. Now you got me so mad.
1: Boy, it's frustrating. It really
0: is. It really is. I, no one should have to sign beforehand. Just, oh, I mean, what? I don't want to wait. You know what I mean? Like, uh
3: you know, he's talking about how he doesn't want to have to find an opponent for AJ on, on short notice. If the, if the negotiations we fall through, and say that, you know, he says, oh, well, these people are hard to work with in general. We've already had problems with Shirley Winkle, Shelly Finkle, and we're going to, it's going to take a, a long time to negotiate. So if we start after December, then geez, we might not finish till February. And if it falls apart, then who's, who am I going to get to fight AJ on two months notice? It's, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, stop I don't, that, you know, stop it. Yeah.
4: All right.
0: All I agree, right. Teddy. Don't, I agree, don't, but
3: don't, but don't, kill just be ready. Boys. Fans be ready. Brian be ready. <sighs> don't, <sighs> don't, 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 don't fly the flag at full mast because wait, it might I don't want to come, come down. back
0: down from this cloud because it's taken me all this time to find out what I need, right? And that is, da- you know, damn consummation of the heavyweight division, you know? So I mean, oh.
3: Well, it's gonna to t- you know be just be ready to wait. Be patient. patients. I threw you
0: the Bush alley oop. I thought you were gonna go over that. I thought it was. Humor. I
3: I missed it, man. All I'm right. I. Jeez, you know, woo, right, right. right over the 90s head. 90s
0: all rock, right over your head. I mean, you were you did grow up in New York. you probably listened to like that ODB solo record with him on, the, you know, his life. Every
3: day, eighth grade, man. The all food right. stamp album. All right,
0: whatever. Um, all right. So Fury Wilder, December first, either in L.A. or Vegas. We don't know that yet. We assume. Showtime pay-per-view. I don't know if it's going to be like some kind of Fox PBC pay-per-view at the last minute, but there's a lot of dissenting reports. Originally, uh, Lance Pugmire was saying you could get, uh, what was he saying? Santa Cruz versus, no, you're saying Mares versus, uh, Gervonta Davis and Santa Cruz versus, uh,
3: Gary Russell. Russell.
0: And then cops saying my report. So, so it's a battle of the sources, hashtag sources, weigh-in heads, you know, like it's, it's, but, if they give us Jarrett Hurt on that undercard, and if that's a pay-per-view, I'm fired the heck up, Rafe. I'm, 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 I'm just excited, okay?
3: You got anything else? No doubt. It, whatever they get on that undercard is, I'm down. I, that, that main event is exciting for enough reasons. It's just gonna be so much fun watching them sell that fight. And then when they get in the ring, I don't know, but at least getting to that point will be fun. Alright,
0: one word answer from you. No, no Raskin, uh, things. Just give me one word answer from you. Last man standing in the heavyweight division. Fury, Wilder, or Joshua. Go. Right now, you're com- you're, you're- Joshua! All right, all right. Okay, that's fine. Right now, I'm saying Fury. Right now, I'm saying Fury. But I'm saying Joshua beats Wilder, whereas the other day, I would have told you Wilder beats them all. It's, see, that's why it's fun, because I'm all over the place, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to the ADK crew. Shout out to Alex Godinius. You see that Borat video he posted of him doing, like, a Triple G press conference? It was kind of funny. If, 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 if Alex Godinus,
3: great, what? great cinnamon jokes. You know, he brought in the, the Sergey Kovalev. Of, Hello, my boxing fans. Hello,
0: my, uh, my, bu- my boxing fans. Hello, my boxing uh, fans. Uh Rafe, uh Hi my boss is so good. I want one final thing on you, uh thirty words or less you a review of DAZN for the first time. I thought they they screwed up having Sugar Ray Leonard on we all knew that, but they did well to have Sergio Mora also call the main fights because Sergio is really good at this job. Okay? He's not Paulie Malignaggi, but he's really good at this job, and he's not irritating from my point of view. So if you use Sugary Leonard, who sounds like he's sleeping on the broadcast, if you use him as somebody you go to for specific Sugary Leonard questions, then that's great. But Sergio Mora was fantastic, and I don't want to crap on BK, but... Put Todd Grisham in the main event. Like, let him be the hip voice. Let him brawl out with Ock and Brock afterwards in clean house with the, uh, with the, with the, all the birds in Britain. I mean, what is your take on the feel of the app, the broadcast? Did you like the Aachen Brock post-game show? Where you at here?
3: So I thought it was all right. I mean, the, the the most important thing is my stream was pretty clean. Like I, it lagged a couple times, but caught up right away. I didn't have to reboot anything. I heard I heard our boy uh, Bryn Jonathan Butler on the uh, uh, on the podcast with Patrick Connor talking about how him and Thomas Hauser couldn't figure out, or not that not that they couldn't figure out, but they couldn't get their stream to work. Sorry about that. You know, maybe the cape was too strong around creating the force field. I don't know. Uh, but for me, it worked out just fine. I got to see the Fight as far as the broadcast team, we've seen all these guys a million times already. They're just shuffling the the, the 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 chairs on the deck. I don't really give a damn. I do think it's funny that Sugar Ray Leonard is sort of like when you are going to announce that you are starting a huge new boxing venture and you want to waste a ton of money you put sugar ray leonard on there just like pvc did and you and you keep him on there for like six months until you start thinking we got to stop wasting all this money and then you you, you bring the sandman out to give him the hook yeah
0: and if you bring out guys in tuxes and have hans zimmer then Sugar Ray leonard fits that mold but he doesn't fit the hip and cool ock and brock like we're cooler than school look you know so i don't know whatever Overall, I like the feel of the app. I thought, I thought it was a strong night one for them. So congratulations to DeZone. But Rafe, we gotta roll on. And big part of this boxing weekend was the Triple G Canelo pay-per-view, uh, replay played on HBO. And I was really excited to see it for all the reasons we said last week. My seat maybe wasn't the best at the fight compared to other fights. I wanted to see if my score changed like it did the first time around. And guess what, Rafe? It did. I first want to say, fight was even better upon replay than it was in the arena. And that's normally crazy to say because the arena, you're normally more high on the atmosphere, and the atmosphere was incredible. I thought the action was even better than I realized the first time around. The pace on TV looked even better than the first time around. I scored at 116-112 for Gennady in the arena. You had it 114-114. I got to tell you, upon replay, I scored it like you did, 114, 114. I even watched it a third time and scored it 115, 113 for Gennady. And the point here overall, Rafe, is that A, that fight was friggin' amazing. It was such high craft. It wasn't a sloppy brawl. It was fought at an incredible speed, incredible craft. B, there's like five legit rounds that were dead even. You you just had to pick which. It's not even like one guy was the boxer, one guy was the puncher. They were just dead even rounds that were so great. And C, Can we stop ever, ever calling it a robbery again? And I know a big part of that apparently was Teddy Atlas that got the blame. I didn't originally hear what he had said on SportsCenter. I went back and got a little bit of sound because we know we like to play that stuff.
3: I got to ask you this. Stephen A brought up the name Adelaide Bird. There were no Adelaide Birds this time around. (laughs) Two judges had a 115, 113. One had a 114,
1: 114. It was really close. Help me out. Help me see the fight
4: through the two
2: judges. Wait, I got to
1: say one thing. I got to say one thing. You know what that is? That's doing a robbery without leaving fingerprints. That's all it is. You don't have to rob somebody by a hundred points. Then that it means it was an effective right. robbery! It's yeah, it was an effective it's
0: robbery! Fast food. It's still
1: a robbery! It's a robbery! I don't care if it's by two points, if it's by one point. It doesn't have to be by a hundred points. They did it with gloves on.
0: Okay. Rafe, it's still a robbery apparently. It's not a robbery, so we can put that to bed. You know what it was? It was a damn good fight, and before I throw it to you, do you know what I did not see in the arena that I saw in watching on TV? That Canelo backed up Triple G a lot more than I realized the first time, even though our podcast was about me talking about how Canelo backed him up, and I couldn't believe it. It was more than just a couple-round period. He backed him up constantly, and two, Rafe, late in that fight, when all we talked about was that Canelo was rocked and almost stopped, he really wasn't that hurt. He really didn't get hit that clean either. I'm Mm. like, I just told you, I watched it three times and twice I scored it for triple G and that's true, but not to do this lame ass story of the fight, Max Kellerman, how many times can you say that one broadcast, but he's right. Canelo won the damn story of that fight and he fought like a man.
3: Look, I think he won the damn story of the fight. If you're the person calling the fight and you continue telling the story of the fight and saying that Canelo's winning the story of the fight, are you, uh, no, uh, the story, I mean, that is the story of the fight could just have easily been if i if i were the network who was more interested who was more invested in the older fighter who won't be around as long as the younger fighter who <laughs> makes more money if i were that network and i was trying to sell the fight for for that older fighter i would say wow he is doing something we almost never see him do he's boxing in a way he's circling moving around the outside of the ring in a way that we never see him do and he's still effective he's still he's still snapping Canelo's head back with the jab. He is still outworking him. He is still landing a lot of telling blows and and, and making Canelo miss at times. I could tell that story. That would not be totally false. Uh, that would be a story of the fight. I, I'm not. I'm not down with the story of the fight stuff. I It was a dead ass even fight. I'm dead ass serious about that. And at, at the same time, I understand where fans are coming from when they are so upset and so. Uh, beat down about never getting to see a guy that they have cheered for and seen climb this ladder, get over the hump, feeling like it's impossible because there's, there's, there's this thing. See, see that the problem, the thing that makes it hard is that Canelo is that good. He's really effing good. I can't stand the guy. He's God damn. He's good though. And (laughs) he look so, so he goes into Vegas knowing what does he need to do. All he needs to do is fight his fight and not go down, not get knocked out. He's a good chance. He's coming out without an L. All right. He, it may be a draw. It may be a majority decision. We said this last week, Brian. How many? How many fighters, active fighters, have like are five and zero or four zero and one in split and majority decisions? That's yeah. pretty strange. Well, look, there's no one's uh, doubting that. Like
0: they, that, that's that's the whole Vegas home fighter thing. I just think like in your so everyone came back at me on Twitter when I reposted my my corrected score. And they're like, "Oh, you just got influenced by uh, you know, Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman and Roy Jones." It's like, well, no, because also let's not forget Harold Letterman was all over Gennady's junk. He had it 116, one sixteen, one twelve, like I did originally. I was just saying, getting a better view of it with the different camera angles. Canelo did more of the guy who was pushing the action. And especially in those early to mid rounds, he was throwing more punches, it looked like, than Gennady. And Gennady was sucking wins so hard in rounds four, five, and six that I think overall it's not even a, hey, it was a close fight, but uh, Canelo benefited from the the mini robbery like Teddy's saying. It was just a damn close fight. And I can fully see where the judges could actually give it to Canelo and Rafe. When I left that arena, I was telling you that the 10th round Man, Gennady had almost stopped him. He looked great. And in that 12th round, how could two of those three judges give it to Canelo? I went back and watched rounds 10 and 12. I still score them both for Gennady, but I can actually see the success Canelo was having where somebody could make a case for him because those rounds were really
3: that close, Rafe. Yeah. Uh, they were all close and that, that's why this is not the fight to base our, I hate boxing. It's all corrupt argument on because it just doesn't hold up in that light. It's a, it's sort of a shame that the guy that everyone was rooting for to lose didn't, you know, got the win over the guy everyone was rooting for to win. And obviously that's not everyone. I'm speaking in generalizations, but there is that like very vocal, ...segment of the fan base that feels that way, but this is not the fight to hang that argument on, because it was about as dead even, and these two fighters are about, honestly, after seeing them for 24 rounds, they seem about as dead evenly matched, even though, I mean, that's what makes it, that's really what makes these great fights, and makes it a great rivalry, is that they both... They're not – it's not like watching carbon copies of each other face off to a draw. They're both doing things in very different ways, exploiting weaknesses of the other and using their different strengths, and and still it comes out even. It is a – it's a beautiful style matchup. It just also hurts the, the Golovkin fans for reasons that are pretty understandable.
1: Boxing is full of shit, man.
3: Assuming. All
0: right, all right. Uh, let me tell you this: so, you sent me some really good Teddy sound with our boy Marcos Villegas of Fight Hub TV that was recorded before the fight. And Teddy says a lot of BS. I just played that rant about how it's a robbery when it's not a robbery. But Teddy predicted Canelo would win, and I want to play you what he actually said because in the end, he was kind of dead on.
1: And I'm going to say something that's probably quite strange to the ears of people, but doesn't mean I'm right, doesn't mean I'm wrong. Just means where I'm coming from and what I'm thinking from, from my life, is that maybe he was on something. And maybe he's made terms with himself. And maybe for the first time in a long time, he's going to look inwardly and find out what he is. And that's powerful. So for the first time, maybe he's going to say, you know what, freak this. I, I, I I'm a... Mexican-born fighter, I've been a champion, I've been fighting since I'm 16 years old, I didn't get here for nothing, I got here for a reason, I got here because of me, it's about time I'm me, I'm going to look in the mirror, I'm going to be me, and if, if, if that's happening, like I think happens sometimes in this sport, I'll take Canelo.
0: Rafe, I play that for you? Cause if you want a damn story of the fight, Max Kellerman, Teddy just nailed it! That's the story of the fight! Unless Canelo's veins were just dripping with clenbuterol, he looked inward, he was a man! And it came out so much more upon re-watching the fight, and seeing what physically he was doing to, to Golovkin, he shattered the, the, the myth, he shattered the ghost, he took, he took, he didn't take Golovkin's soul, but he, but he slayed the ghost, the myth. He did it. He was a man. He was a real man. The Mexican style beat the old Mexican style. Like, I'm impressed with Canelo, and it has nothing to do with the money fighter or HBO or anything. Teddy nailed it. He changed his tune after, but he nailed it beforehand, Rafe.
3: I, I think Teddy did, that was, that, I remember sending it to you because it was just interesting, like, why, well, how did, why did Teddy go down a notch all of a sudden and where did, where did he, why is he summoning up wise man Teddy here to, to talk about this fight? It was, it was an interesting decision and, and he ended up being, yeah, it played out pretty much exactly like that. Uh, but the thing though, Brian, I don't, he didn't, Canelo, first of all, the first fight was not dominated either way and, And Canelo didn't fight poorly in that fight. He didn't run. He fought on the ropes and made Triple G miss a lot. That's Triple G's fault for not, for, for not... Not basically figuring out a way to land punches while he had Canelo doing exact like walked him right into the 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 death house and and the slaughterhouse and couldn't couldn't do anything about it. So I mean he fought differently in the first fight Canelo did, but he fought well. Also, I didn't think he won, but I didn't think it was a, a you know the running stuff was just a narrative that was not true. It was he chose to box that way. He had a lot of success. Not I think he got outworked and lost. But I I didn't I didn't think that he fought poorly or wasn't being a man in that fight either. And the way he chose to fight in the second one made it even more of a classic and and, and a a better overall fight, a closer overall fight in my judgment. But it doesn't I don't know I still think that they're both. They're both—they're the same people they were the day before they woke up. You know, I'm not going to go all the way there with some of that narrative because we Canelo. All Canelo proved is that he is a truly great fighter in this era. He proved he's a real man.
1: That's how men deal. That's how men roll. He ain't a man. No,
3: actually, John, he is a man,
0: and I'm telling you right now, he he might even be X-rated.
1: I'm X-rated, and he ain't.
3: Canelo's X-rated. Canelo. Canelo is a jacker, all right? Oh, no, I'll He's never... He's a jacker. He, he will jack. He, he jacked his way for two years prior to this. Avoiding Triple G. He's a jacker as I've ever seen one. I'll never back down. I'll
1: never jack. I'll never fuck. I will jack. I'll be there till I
3: can't breathe. All right, to close
0: on Teddy, because Teddy does flip his... T- Crap a lot. So he gave us that brilliant, genius speech. And then the next day he was on first take. And, and I'm going back now after the fact to collect some of this great Teddy sound. Did you hear this bit?
1: Top level fight and step to the side so the guy can't. When What is the with to the side? What is the other step move move Did he do that you? trying to teach him to do that. I got to know it coming I into that, the fight, Teddy. At that level, you should be able to do that. Or you're saying he's overrated. And let's say like, really, now. Yeah. really, yeah. really, I'm going to say it. Canelo's overrated. What? Yeah. That's very disrespectful. No, disrespectful. Very disrespectful.
0: disrespectful. I ter- uh, so, you know, Canelo's overrated in the next breath, but that, that's how you get down with, uh, with Teddy right there, Rafe. Right?
1: That's very disrespectful.
0: That's ver- Hey, uh, Aram now, Bob Aram, told Boxing Scene, he's interested in bringing in potential TV free agents, Canelo and Triple G, to put the trilogy on ESPN. Wow, Rafe. I don't think this will happen because if you're HBO, you've got to <laughs> find money to make sure that that trilogy happens on your network and that you stay in the Canelo business because I think the Canelo business is a profitable one. You would think, but this would change the game if Aram could conceivably do what he's trying to do, which is not just promote his own fights, but play programmer on ESPN, which is kind of what we talked about with him last week in that now legendary interview. Play programmer, bring him in, get a, get a fee from these guys, but appease ESPN by bringing in every big fight and saying, I'll give you more money than you can make on your own, bring it to me, and I'll promote
3: it on SportsCenter.
0: Are we going in this direction? Could this happen?
3: I think anything could happen. I, I, I do think that uh, at least Golovkin and probably Canelo as well are, are that free agency is not just a a mirage or something that will pass, you know, without any news. I, I think it is a, a real chance that both fighters could end up on different networks as, you know, just reading the writing on the wall. HBO has has sort of divested a lot in in boxing and and while yes the canelo business is definitely a good money maker for them you you can't just sign one fighter right you you need they would need to have other they need to be paying for dates and and work with other promoters figure out some way to to have enough programming to have it make sense uh, and it doesn't it's unclear whether or not they business wise they're choosing to go in that direction i guess this will be the test if if HBO is going to remain at least keep a foot in the pool of the dirty dirty pool of boxing. Uh, this is this is the test. But you know Golovkin, we heard it all week during fight week. He's not happy with HBO. He was they, they because of what happened in May. The 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 rematch having to be rescheduled. HBO didn't want to have him fight on the regular network then because there was no budget already allotted for it. So he was paid pretty poorly by his scale to, to – to. Beat Vanus up in two rounds. And I, I guess, you know, a million bucks for for whooping Vanus is not the worst thing. It's better than a sharp stick in the eye. But come on, Golovkin deserves more than that. Uh, he's one of the marquee fighters in the sport. Uh, so, you know, and I'm sure that listening or I don't know if he's listening, but he certainly will have heard how hard the broadcast sold Canelo over him in this rematch. And I bet, while I'm sure he understands it was a close fight, he has a good reason to believe that he should have won it. And I'm sure he's not going to appreciate hearing them, you know, like lube up Canelo's entire nether regions and just insert (laughs) everything. Triple G don't need to hear that. And I don't think that he necessarily cares about Jim Lampley's ridiculous, weird monologue on the fight game last week, which just seemed meant to kiss Golovkin's ass and be like, oh, no, we still love you, buddy. Come back. Don't go. He compared him to Ali.
0: He compared him to Muhammad Ali. It was just bizarre. All right. Rafe, we always – this is a good spinoff here on Triple G Canelo. We always say to our listeners, thank you for being part of what we do. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. We want to mention your name. Slide in our DMs. DM season is open. What do you want to do? You want to know what it looks like? You want to see stick pics? We don't do that. We don't go that far for what it looks like. But we will talk about whatever you want to talk about at – B. Campbell CBS, at Rafe Bugs. DM season is open. Rafe, over the last week and a half, I've collected a decent amount here. Can we run through these guys quick? You ready for this? I'm ready, brother. Okay, from Scott Henry at Scott Sprint Utah, who's an OG DMer on the show. He says, would you rather see a third fight between Triple G and Canelo next or Canelo versus the winner of Jacob's? Derevichenko, who are fighting for the belt, the IBF belt that was stripped from Golovkin. He says, Triple G can't knock Canelo out and can't win a decision against him either. I want to see them fight other people. Rafe, before I get your answer on whether we will see them fight other people, you did send me some uh, fantastic sound from the great Danny Jacobs. You know Danny Jacobs, right? Danny
3: Jacobs. He's
0: touching M's, baby. He's touching he is, M's. He, he is didn't
3: even touching touch M yet,
0: Brian.
1: He is touching M's. Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. Yeah, we already know
0: that. But I'm talking about Danny Jacobs. And I'm talking. Sorry, <laughs> malfunction there with the soundboard. Wait for it. Here's what Jacobs had to say about potentially fighting Canelo. I'd stop Canelo.
1: I'd knock Canelo out. No round. It don't matter what round. Put him in there and I'd knock him out. Wow, wow. He's
0: talking about taking him soul- Take his whole soul away. So what for Scott's Henry's question, Rafe, what are you saying? Should they, uh, go see it, date other people or should they try to consummate
3: a third time? Uh, I see it from both sides. I, I get Scott Henry, Scott's point and it really, part of me worries about seeing the third, the trilogy fight there because Triple G is just going to keep getting older and I, I, I will be sort of heartbroken if Canelo gets the clean win over Triple G, either God forbid by stoppage, but even a clean decision over, over Golovkin. When it just looks like Golovkin is fine, the age has finally caught up with him and-, and Canelo remains in his prime. And then that taints, that-, that affects the legacy. People will be talking about, oh, Canelo was always the better fighter. And I'll be like screaming into the wind. They're like, no, it's not true. They were dead even. Golovkin deserved the first one. God damn it. Um, was, I-, was- I see that coming. I don't want to live with that. But at the same time, these were two really good fights. The second one was a legit great fight. And I think we're all, it's never a good idea to say, you know what? I think I've seen enough great fights. Go make some other fights that may or may not be as good. I can hear that you're feeling it.
1: <laughs> you're feeling it. That's right. Come watch yourself.
0: Watch yourself there, Rafe. Uh, yeah, I'm with those answers. Um, I think by the way, Jacobs would stop. Canelo. Oh my God. You just heard that right here. I just told you how much Canelo was a man and that his bag is just huge. But look, Jacobs touches M's. Danny Jacobs, he's the boy. I'm just telling you, he's a different animal in there. I know you think I'm crazy. Alright. Number two, question number two from Reno Hightower at Hightower 12. He says, Rafe, I love boxing, but I hate boxing. Clearly, I'm right in not monetarily supporting it. I think this came right after the Triple G decision. I'm assuming our buddy Reno here is on the side of Teddy Atlas calling it a robbery. So Rafe, we've all been there before with the I love boxing, but hate boxing. Is Reno Hightower right and no longer monetarily supporting it? I think that means stream at all costs.
3: I, look, I'm not a pocket watcher, man. Everybody can do what they want to do with their money if they want. I have streamed fights illegally. I am now, I am now a card carrying subscriber to DAZN and ESPN Plus. So you know, I'm I'm coming around to the side of the good. I'm 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 trying to get legal, you know, again. But anybody else, do what you got to do. I don't care.
0: All right. From Nick at underscore Nick X, he says, BC, do I not respect Box and that I had Canelo winning the first fight 7-5 and also winning the second fight 8-4? And he adds, I usually don't have crazy scorecards. Bro, Nick, thanks for joining our show. If you had Canelo winning the first fight 7-5, you do not respect Box.
3: Oh, wow. You know, I was going to say – these these fights were so close. I mean, the second fight, there was, you mentioned it, there were so many rounds that really could have gone either way that I would definitely raise an eyebrow at a person who did this. But... If they scored it, I mean, it was, the rounds were so close that if you gave them all of you, shaded every one of them to Canelo or Triple G, you could probably come out with a 9-3 or a 10-2 scorecard in favor of somebody. Now, you would have really effed that scorecard up, but, uh, it is not possible. There is an argument, you know, you can get there logically through boxing's insane flawed scoring system. Uh, no, I think, I think as long as, I think he respects box. I
1: respect it. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes.
0: Hey, Ray, from at Wade Webster, Wade Webster, something like that. He says, it's vitally important that Triple G does not fight Billy Joe Saunders next, or he may be done. Canelo can fight a soda can and be fine. Is is he trying to say that if, is Wade trying to say that if Triple G fights Saunders, then... I know
1: this sounds terrible. I think
3: he should finish. Are you?
0: No, that's, no, that's, just way too harsh. That's way, hard. Hard. That's, uh, way that's, that's
3: way too harsh. Is that what he's saying, Rafe? Well, I, I think it is what he's saying. Look, I had some, I think he should finish moments last Saturday after the fight because it's sort of, I, I, it was just sort of like, what else is Triple G supposed to do? Where does he go from here? He's only gonna get older. This matchup is probably not going to get any better for him. Yeah, but what as, about BJS, as, bro? I look. I, he doesn't even have the belts anymore, so he does. B J S don't. B J S don't want to fight him. He wants Canelo probably. So I, I just think that I, I, I. And and you know what? I was thinking a little bit. Uh, this. Now I'm happy if Golovkin continues to fight. I, I want to see him continue to fight. He's he's one of my favorite active fighters. But wouldn't this be? Wouldn't this solidify? a nice Marvin Hagler narrative for him. Just walk away, say F boxing. Yes. This, this boxing is full of S I'm Paulie Malignaggi. I'm never fighting again. I never, I, you didn't give me a fair, I I've got, I fought my way from Karaganda, Kazakhstan forever. I fought all the way up from that through the Olympic silver medal, made his way through, through bad promoters earlier in his career Got to the states, took the country, the boxing world by storm. Got to the pinnacle of the sport and didn't get the fairest shake in the two biggest fights of his career. He's out of here. Everyone, that'll be the. That's what he'll be remembered for. That it'll be controversial. There will always the same way people still, you know, are still torn over. Hagler and Leonard, that people would be torn over Canelo versus Golovkin, but that'll go on forever and ever and ever and it'll, and there will, and there will be this hardcore, I will be there telling my children and my grandchildren. Golovkin, Golovkin beat him the first time and the second one was a draw and he got screwed. He didn't get robbed, but the man got screwed. Pulling,
0: yeah, pulling a haggler is the best fu because you never lose again. Because essentially, what this guy is saying is, don't chase Billy Joe Saunders. He's probably going to outbox you because you're old now and be too slick for you. You'll probably get another L on that record on the way out. If if Gennady just goes and goes to Italy and just eats a lot and gets fat, I mean, that could be a, a nice haggler retirement plan.
3: Absolutely. It'll show that he's bigger than the sport. He's above that mess. He ain't about that. He's about, he's about athletes, respect box athletes. Brian, let me run one more Golovkin hypothetical by you. Maybe he doesn't choose to go the Hagler route. He chooses to go the Juan Manuel Marquez route shows up next year. Having hung out with memo. Heredia oh, uh, wow. uh, south of the border, just ripped incredible Hulk stuff. And, And, and they fight a third fight and he one shots Canelo. Canelo is sleeping. Boo boy has to jump in the ring and attack a photographer. It's a whole thing. What does that do? Does that, cause that, it's a similar situation where there are the Marquez fans who are just like, I don't care how he got it. I don't care what he looked like. He finally got his win over Manny. End of story. There are also the people who are in the middle, who are like, you know, I I, I scored some of the other fights for Marquez. I don't think he deserved to be, you know, o two and one going into the fourth fight. But you know, it, it, it's still something. It didn't feel great to see him get that win. That felt like it could have been a little tainted. He was drinking more than just urine for that fight, bro. So, so what is what, what do you what would what if that happened? How would you how would you process that, Brian?
0: I don't know because we think of him as like the Poster boy for you know uh, box. I'll tell their parents I uh, said hello. And I mean, uh, that's it's not good boy. <laughs> wild. That's wild if they could do four or five and we have a crazy moment like that. Oh man, Rafe. I, you know what's? I, I mean, oh man. You got you got me thinking a lot today, and I can't find the damn angel. You think I care about his family? Soundbite. I'm really upset about that. All right, Rafe. Um, number five from JJ Marie gufreda at. Left-hander in L-O-N, maybe that's London. I'm not sure, but at Left-hander in Lon says, in FYI, all of your listeners are not male! Exclamation point! Whoa, whoa! Women may be a boxing minority, but we are here. She closed with hashtag Not Your Bro. I think it's because I kicked off our interview episode last week with, "Hey, bros, we got a lot of great sound for you, Rave, We got, we got some." uh we got some, uh, some females out there. Let's see what Teddy thinks. That woman no, no, just had it, had that, No, no it no, 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 no. oh, no, no, even? Hey, no, 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 you should finish. No, no,
2: no, no. Hey,
3: let's handle this with a little bit of classic dignity. I'm glad that we have female listeners. I, I feel like we owe them all apologies for the amount of dirty Adam Sandler innuendo we, we inflict upon them, but hopefully, uh, hopefully it is entertaining enough and informative as well and the interviews are good or something i, I hope I, I i we don't want to offend anybody hopefully we're not so we're, we're just a couple of fools wow, wow,
0: all right hey I'm, we got a diverse crowd out there i like that i like that hey keep listening to close here ray from daniel o'donnell at Dottie o'don he's got an idea for what's it look like our favorite thing on the show ryan garcia versus orlando salido beauty versus the beast Daniel says, I'd pay good money to watch Salido try and make Garcia less goddamn good-looking. The grizzly veteran taking it to the pretty boy prospect. I'd pop for that. It's something us slightly washed gents in our 30 to 40s could get behind. I'm dreaming Golden Boy wouldn't let Garcia be in the same zip code as Salido, but a man can dream. What does it look like? Rafe, that kind of sounds like I wrote that. Not this dude, right? That's pretty much in our lexicon wheelhouse there. Oh, my God. Rye Guy versus Salido. I don't care the weight class. I don't care what's in Salido's veins. He's taking that kid's soul.
3: Take his whole. Yeah, it ain't gonna be pretty. I would not. He's right. That Golden Boy will never let Orlando Salido anywhere near. Ryan Garcia. I don't even know who you can let near Ryan Garcia, other than a lot of teenage women uh or teenage girls. I, anyway, hopefully not teen. Uh, adult legal. Anyway, oh boy, this is getting bad. Ryan Garcia, good luck with your career. Stay away from Orlando Salido.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. It goes down in the DMs.
3: Really, (laughs) don't let don't let that guy in your don't let Salido in
0: your DMs. Hey, let's hear from uh, Regis Progre, the uh 140 pound title holder. He's got some WBSS in his future. Great chat from Vegas, from a crowded, loud restaurant, but you're gonna be able to hear it just fine. Enjoy. Regis (laughs) Progre in the house. CBS sports here in Vegas. We're fired up at WBSS, bro. I'm sure you are to October 27th. This is the correct
2: date. Definitely. And Terry definitely, yep. Flanagan. Terry Flanagan, yeah.
0: Taking this bread out. What, tell me about joining this tournament. How, how excited are
2: you? I'm super excited. You know, like I said earlier, it's the best fighting the best. Um, that's, you know, I think that's the best thing about this whole tournament is like the best people in the world is fighting the best people in the world. There's no ducking, there's no running, you know, right now. And, and just like I was saying earlier, you can. You know, right now is so many different good fighters in, in even the same weight division, and you don't know who the best one is, you know. So, with this, you want to know I'm the best. Dude, you quickly
0: ascended to be the face of 140 now, and it's, it's, a, it's almost in a transitional where there's not as many sexy big names, but like, got a chance to be that name now exactly, and exactly. I feel like you get it marketing wise you know like like yeah, yeah, yeah. the mask is a gimmick but it's working I know so many yeah. people go I don't yeah. know that guy's name but who's that guy with the damn yeah, mask yeah, yeah, so I mean
2: exactly. it's pretty calculated yeah way, definitely right? I mean well the whole mask thing I, honestly like I did with the real name I didn't even like it at first you know um, and then I wore, a, I, I, I wore a mask the first time my temporary fight in Houston and like the fans went crazy. And then ever, ever since then, like I started wearing a mask. And it was a different mask. Now I have a, uh, like the mask I wear is like custom made. It's like a thousand dollar mask. Nice. Custom made. Only one in the world made, you know. So it's, it's, I mean, I just love it, man. It's just, just all that stuff. Like the whole New Orleans thing. That's what I always like aim to do. Get the New Orleans city, my, my city behind me. And it's, it's like perfect. And you talk about the tournament, I think. You know, one of the one of the real good things
3: about that for you or uh, whoever winning is that every level that the wins get better, right? Because the guy, if you meet somebody in the finals, they had to win two tough fights to get to that. Yeah, exactly. You see the way it's elevated the guys who want. You're saying no pies, no easy pies. No, that's what I'm saying.
2: It's It's none. Yeah, it's none. Yeah, it's no BS in the tournament at all. And that's what I said that's what I like about it. I'm a competitor. Like, I'm in a sport to compete. Like, I want to fight the best people out there. You know, I feel like I'm the number one, I'm I'm the number one fight in the world at 140, and I want to prove it. You know, Um, I don't care how many people say it. Like, I want to really prove it. You know, because there's still doubters out there say, oh, no, what about Josh Taylor? What about Jose Ramirez? I don't think it's other really other names out there but those two names they say yeah well it's Regis Jose or Josh Taylor really really, a lot of people saying either me or um, Josh Taylor you know so I want to you know put all that doubt to rest and in the tournament and, you
3: know you think of like last week when, when Errol Spence was up on doing his press conference he basically you know they're going back and forth and a couple pops well, in him, bro let's be honest say, right? and a few drinks in him. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, never yeah. know uh, they're saying basically who he beat uh, who did he beat and by Against the end who? of this tournament like got yeah. answers to that yeah, you know? exactly. like, I, this is who I beat and that's what I
0: beat yeah yeah exactly you know? All right, we're coming off the stretch of Mayweather era where guys so brilliant defensively that the casual fans that got sucked in were like man these guys aren't These guys aren't banging I want to see them banging exactly. bro you bang and we yeah. know it's exciting but you gotta, you gotta have some balls to carry a style like that out I mean has that
2: always been from the beginning you were like I'm, I'm not just, afraid to
0: mix it up yeah
2: like, like I said I'm, I'm just I know I'm stronger you know than most people I'm rough I'm real real rough I grew up like that I'm always was real rough I'm strong And, you know, I just love to fight. That's the thing. I can box. Like I said, my trainer tell me when I'm in sparring, I have to spell, like, people 180 and 190 and stuff because it makes me box. You know, I can't keep getting hit with big big old dudes like that, big old, you know, big punches like that. So I have to, you know, I have to box. But when I go in a fight, I'm fighting somebody 140 pounds, 150 pounds. They can't hurt me. Like, I know you cannot hurt me. And so if I know I can hurt you and you can't hurt me for me, the fight is over already like in my mind the fight you can't hurt me i got Do you. you feel fight naturally mentally tougher than most guys you cover? i definitely think i'm mentally tougher yeah way i think i'm way way more mentally tougher you know just mentally and physically you know because i won't give up i'm i'm gonna fight 12 rounds hard 12 rounds i never did it before but I'm prepared <laughs> well, I never then, did it I never even been past Eight before The, the fight I ever got Like, like when,
3: when you knock You know It's great to get the knockouts But is there something In your head That, that little like oh,
2: should I, Do I want to go round Do I want No It's you know, not every, No I I, I, I yeah. want to Nah it's not I want to go out there And fight Like I want to go out there And fight Every minute of Every round That's what I want to do Like cause to me Like when I box I get bored like I know I can't box because I'm fast. I'm real. I'm mean, I'm I'm naturally athletic. So I'm fast. I'm strong. I can move my head. I can do all kinds of things. But for me, like I just like to go in and go out there and fight. Just like you said, we're leaving the Mayweather era. You know that was the defensive era. People don't want to see that. They don't want to see it no more. That is one Floyd. That's it. You know, we even Manny got defensive at the end of his career. You exactly. Know? You know, we 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 seen that. You know, so people don't want to see that no more. They seen Floyd, and he was a, a, a brilliant businessman. You know, because you know people came to see him. Just they came to see him lose, right? You know, but he never lost. You know, but he was real defensive. It's, it's not going. You can't have another Floyd right now. You have to go out there and you have to go out there and fight. You know, I just think you know you want the fans again. You want boxing to come up on the rise again. You have to go out there and fight. And that's why I think it's real, it's real good right now because boxing is going right back up again because you have so many good fighters right now. And um, got a lot of, good of ones.
0: networks that are pushing it out to there yeah. in the forefront, which is good. Now, Rafe was asking you before I overheard that you grew up with the Charlos, right? Or you have up at some um, point. Bro, yeah, yeah. I love these guys because because they're just so brash and ridiculous.
2: But did you guys have some sparring wars
0: back in the day. What was yeah, it like definitely, you, yeah. We took, used to, tell to always inside baseball on the. We before. used to
2: always fall. I We used to kick each other's ass if I can say that. <laughs> yeah, we up. used to we used to beat we used to beat the hell out of each other all the time. You know, we we actually fought. Me and Jamal fought with six pounds of gloves on before in the house wow. though. In the house that was in the <laughs> house, and he, he he kicked my ass. I ain't gonna lie. He whooped me. that time. He whooped me and it was in front of my girlfriend. He busted my nose and all that stuff. He had to. I think he had the six ounces. I was being too Love tough that, back well, then. Well, if you ain't a lion, he a dog here. That's what I think. Yeah, the right. Yeah, price, yeah. Right? So yeah, he had. I, I was being too tough. He had six ounce gloves on. I had oh, fourteen wow. ounces on, and he had, he plus my nose on. <laughs> you all said up.
3: you spot him eight ounces?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's when they still made the six ounce Everlast gloves. And, we had a pair so yeah we used to but we we always went to we sleep by each other's house and all that stuff when we were little and i mean
3: you you were talking about that sort of that that toughness you got i mean i feel bad you got to talk about it like in every interview probably but you know, is that we basically, you think it's something you always had or it also has to do with you know, having
2: to live through Hurricane Katrina and, and move around after that. You know, New Orleans, I think, Houston. I, I, I think it's just something that I, I have. You yeah. know, because it's a lot of people that went through Hurricane Katrina, but yeah. they're not ranked number more it's in the world, true. right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a it's, it's a whole bunch of them. But they they if you put them in there with me and from my own city, I guarantee I will come out victorious. I guarantee you know. So I just think it's just it's something in me. It's something in me that just I just like to fight. I always like to fight, and that's just how I am.
3: Did move, in, you know? Did having to move all those times, you know, when you're a teenager, did that slow down some momentum in like your amateur career or stuff like no, that?
2: No, you know why? Because I I didn't start yet. Yeah. I did. I went. So I went to the gym for literally three months before Hurricane Katrina hit. That was it. I had one amateur fight or something like that. One or two amateur fights, and that was it. And then Hurricane Katrina hit, so I had to. I stopped for. I mean, I stopped for probably almost like well, maybe like eight months or something like that, eight, nine months, and so I got to Houston, and I finally settled down to Houston, and, you know, I went, but even then, when I was traveling around, and Hurricane Katrina hit, and I was moving all around, I still was, like, training, like, and I didn't even know how to train back then, I, like I said, I went to the gym for three months only, that was it, so I still was, you know, watching YouTube, but I don't think it had YouTube, I was still watching boxing, and I was still, like, Hitting a punching and dummy And all that type of stuff You know Back in high school Because I just loved it I love fighting No matter what I do a show called The MMA
0: Beat With Luke Thomas Who's a combat sports journalist And he covers mostly MMA But he knows I'm a boxing guy And every time I talk to him He goes you're a boxer. program I'm watching him on Instagram He's doing more MMA He's sparring with Jose Aldo He's back in Brazil again He's doing this I'm telling you man So I gotta know From an MMA standpoint how, you, are you rolling how's your how's your functional BJJ how you doing I, I, with that
2: you time? know what I, I did it for a few days and they gave me my white belt and my two my two little lines on it oh, grouse nice, I think nice. yeah yeah yeah, I like yeah, yeah yeah right I got my little lines and stuff like that on my white belt I mean I like it I definitely like it I, because I'm rough and I like to slam people and all that stuff and be rough like that but um we all know boxing pays way more than mma oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know let me finish i definitely want to finish up my boxing career and but you know what if what if they what yeah. if, if, if they say <laughs> let's say yeah let's fight an octagon, the guy you know what I might have to hang the gloves up and train for a year, something like that, and go to, go back to Brazil and train, and then outside do outside so. of
3: the boxing element of MMA, exactly. is to talk about storylines. Jose Aldo training you to beat oh,
2: Conor. Oh, exactly, that's, that's a story that, that's exactly a right. Stuff right there. Yeah, um, exactly. Outside
0: of the obvious hands that you would have in MMA, is there any aspect of that game that you are comfortable with?
2: Whether it's wrestling, whether it's you I know, like being on the ground. Actually, you know, I always say I, but well, I guess I can tell a little secret. I always said that, you know, if I have an MMA fight, I told my friends at MMA in MMA, in Brazil, that if I have an MMA fight, they going to think that I'm going to go strike and I'm going to go straight to wrestling. I'm going to just go, because I know, like, I know I'm strong for my size. Like, I'm really, really strong for my size. And if I can start wrestling and really do it, because, you know, I don't want to brag too much, but when I was out there, I was, I was spawned with a, um, I was doing a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu with a dude just a little bigger than me. He wasn't that much bigger. He was a little bigger than me, but he had a blue belt. And I was choking him out, like I, yeah, I was choking him right. out, and, and,
0: and doing all
2: kinds of stuff to him, you know. So, and he had a blue belt, and I never, I never even did it before, you know. So, I think that you know, one day if I do it, then I'll, I'll, I'll choke somebody out.
3: And you mentioned that you know you've been down to Brazil because your wife yeah. is Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I seen on
2: on Twitter,
3: Instagram, social media that. You, your daughter is named Khaleesi. Yes. Yeah, game of, Thrones. Game of, Thrones, game of Thrones, <laughs>
2: Thrones. Yeah, Game of. I'm definitely a big Game. I, I watched all of them already. Yeah, Game of Thrones. My, my son is named Ray, which is after Ray Leonard. Oh, I love the, it. Love yeah, it. Ray Leonard. I had an uncle named Ray too. He died when I was little, and then we had. the So it's three reasons, right? His name is Ray because of Ray Leonard. I had an uncle that died when I was young, named Ray, and then Brazil. We got named We got to name him something that's that sound the same, right? That's like they can say they really can't even say they say hey. I just the R's yeah, in Brazil. Yeah. The, the R in Brazil is like an H, so they say hey, hey Zinho or whatever. But, Detroit, yeah, what the, what they they call you Hedges. Hedges.
3: Hedges. My name Hedges. I, like I like that. I like, like that. Yeah. Not yeah. to be confused with so yeah, Hedges. Uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Hages.
2: So are you
0: managed by Peter Burke? Yep. How does that yeah. relationship begin?
2: Uh, I mean, I think they reached out. I have a. Um, I, I was working with a. Well, I still do work with a uh, company in um, New Orleans called Strictly Business, and they kind of reached out to them, and I went to the gym, and I, at the time, I was still managed by another, um, I had another manager at the time, but the contract was ending and stuff, and I just was like, you know, seeing who wants. like, my contract was ending, so we were just trying to see, you know, who wanted me and all that stuff, and I had a lot of offers on the table, some big money. Um, but I went out to LA And I just Like it was just Real good vibe with them With Peter Berg Real cool dude We always FaceTime And talk yeah, and stuff like that he's a big boxing guy close He loves boxing We spar and all that Now
0: are you able Because of his His profile His connections Is that Are you Is he going to be able To maybe get you looks And
2: certain Entertainment Or crossover That you wouldn't get before Definitely And that's That's the reason why I did it You know you got to think About life after boxing Also oh, yeah. You know I, right now I'm a, I'm, I don't want to think About life after boxing But while I'm with them they could be thinking about that you know i don't have to think about it right now they can be thinking about that you know one day i might be a movie star or something I, we don't walk a rock and all that casual
0: mainstream attention because look like we're in the Floyd and Manny era and people remember Roy Jones and some people know Lennox Lewis but like a lot of great fighters in between that flow that the Red average show know. just doesn't know yeah, who's exactly. boxing went to pay-per-view it's always on cable yeah 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 it, it's getting back to regular TV which is good but we also have to tell people stories and and, and, I mean you know you got a great gimmick great great look and you can fight so it's sort of like you want
3: people to be known I
0: mean you don't have to go on TMZ like Adrian Verner but you want people to know who you are yeah yeah. exactly
2: does it like when
3: you're out there in LA does it does it kind of I don't know. Does it seems crazy. It's a ball sometimes. Like, man, here I am, like Peter Berg, and he's got well, we got Marky Mark running around.
2: Yeah, yeah. We got, was, yeah uh, he came to the gym and watched me spot One, one to know funny story? We I spawned with his chef. So his chef came in, Mark Wahlberg's chef, right? So his chef came in one day, said, "I can I can spot three rounds with Crawford." Like they was like, "Come on, are you crazy?" Mark Wahlberg was like, "Are you crazy? Like he's the top athlete in the world. What you talking about?" He was like, "Well, Reese here. You can spot him." So. He was hitting the bags And stuff we spawned on Monday Wednesday and Friday So it was a tune he came in He was like Yeah now Can't wait to sponsor you tomorrow So the next day came Wednesday I spawned no head and stuff like that And I kicked his ass <laughs> It was all over the place was the back In the Wall, Yeah <laughs> <Walmart> <laughs> And Pete Yeah Mark and Pete Was like "Yeah, Come on chef What you doing chef <laughs> Chef left all this stuff He left he left all his gear. He never came back to the gym. He quit boxing. That was it. Like, that was, yeah, he was, he was definitely was. gave him the go make That's me strange. a go, yeah, go yeah, make Marcus yeah, that sandwich. Go make Mark sandwich. After that, he texts me. Like, man, thank you, man. It was so great with that. I'll make you whatever you want. Whenever you come back, I'll cook for you and all that stuff. So, You got a lot of business at
0: 140. The WBSS tournament we're fired up for. But every fighter, knows in their head. They got that money fight. They got that guy they're thinking of. And because boxing is in a transitional Lloyd and Manny, you're going away oh, they're trying to come back but yeah, they're yeah, going know, away uh, and obviously we know who the next guys might be you already have that one guy that you're like I don't know how it's going to work you know what? but I'm going to meet him I'm going to be there on pay per view it against might be Crawford.
2: It might be Crawford. Oh, oh hey, this oh, hey,
0: guy in Broadway, if you see me get fired up right now, can you can you hear me right now? It might be Crawford. Now? It
2: might be Crawford, yeah. Because we always see each other. We saw each other last night. We always talk, we always talk stuff to each other. You, and you all told you said
0: earlier you told him you were going to kick his
2: ass. I always tell him that. That's gangster. That dude's
0: got a backbone. That dude's got a backbone. So that would be a
2: war, man. Yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. would. It definitely would be a war. I think it'll be either Crawford. might you're going to see yeah, it. It yeah, might yeah, be yeah, Pacquiao. Yeah. Yeah. It might be Smith yeah. one day. Because, you know what, like... I, I can't say one person name because right now like the, the vision I'm in is perfect. Like everybody Loma like everybody is yeah, right around, the everybody's right in the hey, middle. Broner, hey Broner, you know? Uh, I kill Broner. Yeah. That's <laughs> easier. Bro, but it could be a big fight. Though. I always wanted to fight Broner, but like no nowhere no more. You know, like Hey Amir, he's still Khan. A big name. Amir Khan on the zone. I, I can make all these matches. For you. Exactly, right, you know, so um, we'll see man, it's just it's exciting because like I said everybody is right in the same like area right now around 20 pounds 10, 15, 20 pounds from each other and so and it's a lot of big names you know so we don't know we'll see one day we'll see. I, I really you know I really think that either Mike Garcia or Crawford I, I really think Crawford just because me and him always see each other we always talking to each other we real cool with each other and I think that one day, like, that could be, like, a world pay-per-view fight. And while that's going to be so exciting,
0: because even if you run into one of these guys and you find that you're outskilled, yeah, yeah. you're, sorry, like, sorry, you're not like other guys. You got the backbone, you can punch, you're willing to go in the trenches to do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so we know that you're going to be there going for the win no matter yeah. what and not get frustrated. Like, sometimes at the highest level it does, some of these yeah. guys are, are invincible on the inside, and once they find somebody that, that can decode
2: that, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. they don't they have decode. it, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's a I mean, it's a different era. I'm not saying that... that eighties were better when everybody was brawling each other but uh that's a different era man yeah, and, and now,
2: I, I, I always say man, I think the fighters back then was tougher. I just think the fighters back already, then was yeah. tougher, man. I'm I'm not even talking about the eighties; I'm talking about the thirties and all that stuff. You know, they used to spot with like six ounce gloves on and stuff, you know, like you had to have defense. They used you to, had to keep to a side fighting every job. other week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah They had, like you had um Harry Armstrong one time he fought I think like what are they, like thirty um, something times in nineteen thirty six or something like that. Like all in one year, like he fought all those times. You know, it's like crazy. They traveled around on a train, Hoborn, and did all that fighting, you know. So I just think, like, those fighters back then, like, there was just, it was different. You know, there was they was definitely different. You know, Floyd called himself TBE because he got 50 fights, 50 and old. You had that way long time ago. You know, you had people, you know, you talk about Ray Robinson, you know, somebody like that. It's a he year's work like, for him. With yeah, him. yeah, right. Exactly. Like 80, 80 and 1 or something like that. Something right,
0: crazy this day in the Mayweather era, we did create a lot of boxing businessmen. Some people are still in it for the glory. Some people are in it for the titles. money. I mean, all that. Maybe it's a combination for you, but how do you break that down? What is your, like, what's your end game? What's your goal? What are you in this for?
2: I I think all, same thing, all of it. You know, I let the business up to them. You know, I'm not in it for the business, but they are. You know, my management and stuff like that, they definitely in it for the business. You definitely... It definitely doesn't make sense You know, Floyd taught us one thing It definitely doesn't make sense To fight for this amount of money When you can fight for this amount of money uh, Six months or a year down the line You know, and you can make way, way more Um, So that's what the the management is is in it for You know, for me, I'm in it for the glory and the belts, and I just love to fight. And I, I'm love, a, I love I'm a competitor, the of this guy. He's a competitor, right? I'm just a competitor, man. I just like to compete. You know, I want to compete against like the best. Like, if, if you're around my weight and you like want to consider one of the best, like he's gonna I find, find you. is coming for you, soul. I if you're around to compete, that weight, he's gonna match up with you. And, and if you're a chef, you don't want that mess. You, can say you, any, you don't want that, you want that. If you want that chef, yeah, chef. Sorry, chef. Last time I had to do it to you, but <laughs> he was saying he was. I can go, I can go three rounds of Crawford because I'm an athlete, like. And chef was probably like two hundred pounds, you know, yeah. and he wasn't—he wasn't out of shape, dude. He was, you know, he was in shape and stuff like that. But it's a lot of people come in, they think that you know they can fight and they can do this, they can do that. Like, listen, this is different. I guarantee ball i does not yeah This is not game. This, this
0: is my, not my lucky <laughs> punch. This is yeah, not game. This is yeah, this, this is, is definitely
2: box, Definitely
0: different. Hey, yep. great talking to you. Best of luck, man. Pull up that WBSS, man. Yep. Hey, thank say, hey, right. Eddie Hearn, how about you show me one of those three piece suits and waistcoats, alright? Pull those pockets <laughs> up with money, alright? <laughs> exactly. Tell my guy Lou right. DeVello what's right. up. Great right. yeah, talking yeah, to exactly, you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Rave, shout out to our guy double B, Bernie Barmazel, for getting us the best fighter in the world at 140 pounds. I gotta say, I exited that Regis ProGrey interview loving Ruguru even more than I ever did from the beginning was wearing like an Iverson like uh throwback jersey on like Nigel all- Ness
3: Iverson the whole the whole pro gray experience was really really impressive uh he was holding court with a with a slew of journalists that day and and really telling great engaging stories just talking about fights g- dropping some history on on people earlier in that lunch he uh he he won me over certainly even more than I and I was already a fan i just
0: true to what he said in there One day he's going to move up to Welter, and look, he's going to be a tough out for any of those dudes. Any of those dudes, because he just goes for it. I mean, we talked about him being wired a little bit differently. He just seems like a dude who's just going to go for it, Rafe, and you're going to have to knock him out to get him away from you.
3: Well, we'll see. Right now, he's really only beaten whatever was left of Julius and Dongo. How dare you? Uh, But come on. It's true. Well, But but thankfully, he's a part of the WBSS 140-pound tournament. If he can get through that – Beating first, what, he, he's, he, God, I can't even remember his, his opening op- opponent, but, Terry uh, uh. Terry Flanagan. Terry Flanagan. Oh, yeah. British Terry Flanagan. Uh, you know, yeah, if he can beat, I, I, picking up uh, Maurice Hooker's scraps, if you get through that, and then eventually looking at a fight against somebody like Josh Taylor in the final or whoever comes out the other side of that bracket then, yeah, he, he we, we, let's start talking about him moving to 147 and being a problem. All right, let's speed through some
0: latest news. we got to do it speed round style, speed bag style. I don't know, touch the bag style. I mean, how do you properly touch a bag these days? Let's ask Freddie Roach. You have a little bit of fun with the
3: bag. You play with it. You win combinations on the bag.
0: You just you just play with the bag, Rafe. Right? You just you just have a little fun I with it. I right? have a
3: little fun with
0: it. All right, hey, your guy Usyk that we tease off the top, he's gonna fight Tony Bellew. He's gonna defend all four cruiserweight belts. It's now official. November tenth, Manchester, England. They came into the ring at Wembley before Joshua to have their little bit of moment. It was fun and games. It was great. I got me fired up. It's gonna be on the Zone. So shout out to the Zone for getting that fight. And here's a quote from Bellew afterwards. I am not scared of anyone, certainly not Usyk. He can give me that crazy Ukrainian look, so I just gave him a crazy scouse one back. He can do what he wants. I have been written off throughout my whole life, so it's nothing new. That got me fired up, Brave. I'm fired up. He's
3: not afraid of that crazy Ukrainian look. All right. I'm sure he's not. One thing that Tony Bellew has shown us is that he really really is a tough mentally. Like his his his, his mental toughness is probably his best attribute as a fighter. He, and, and he doesn't give up on himself and he he just is you know he's he's really going to come and and try and figure out a way to beat Usyk. I think there are levels involved here. There may be levels in this game, Brian. I've heard that before and I think Usyk may be a level beyond Crazy Eyes. He's going to be given Tony Bellew, a lot of other problems. The crazy eyes are the least of Bellew's problems when they meet in the ring. I think Usyk's still a clear favorite, but hey, Tony Bellew—he is a guy that makes you believe because he believes so much.
2: I'm very feel. You're very
0: feel. I'm very feel. Be- I'm I'm I am completely feel for that fight. Cannot wait. All right, Rafe, Uh we kind of broke this story that pops the hell out of me. I don't know if it moves you as well, but we told you, Juan Manuel Lopez, Juan Ma, and Gamboa are on a collision course to maybe face each other in an ultimate sloppy Super Bowl. We had Gamboa on there last week telling us that he's going to be back November 10th on pay-per-view. Rafe, they're going to do that at Marlins Park. Him against Miguel Beltran Jr. Juan Ma's on the co-main. They're trying to build toward the future to give us that fight Gamboa's with some new, what was it called? Uh, New champion promotions. Good luck to them putting this fight on pay-per-view. But Rafe, what's come out of there is they did a media day in Miami, and Juanma's a little nervous. He says, quote, on the other hand, Gamboa's talking about fighting Lomachenko. If he wins this fight and skips me and wants to keep running, let him run. But hopefully he does not run. This fight was done with the idea and the plan that we both get featured on a card and we fight and win and fight each other. But now he's talking a different language. He's talking about fighting Lomachenko. So maybe he is having second thoughts. It's a fight that the public wants, but it's all up to him. Hopefully he sticks to the plan. End quote. You heard on the show last week, Rafe, that Gamboa said the plan was Wanma calling up Gamboa and begging for this fight. That was the plan. Will Gamboa pull a Montreal screw job on him and go fight Lomachenko for big money instead, or will one or both of these guys lose anyway on November 10th? Or part C doesn't even matter if both of those lose, we can
3: still make Gamboa Juanma every day of the week, right? Yes, the, the C is correct. The boxing public will accept. Juanma versus Gamboa in, under any circumstances. It is, it is the holy grail of marination. And whenever it happens, I don't care how it happens. It's gotta happen. All right.
0: Do you care that Jean Pascal is going to return at cruiserweight November 9th against Gary Coppas
3: in Nova Scotia? The hell's going on here, Rafe? What team sport does Gary Coppas play? Is, oh, he, uh, uh, is he a, is he a? Uh, another hockey guy? Is he, a, is he a Thailand guy? I don't uh, know. Jesus, some Thai guy. We just need to re-
0: remind Pascal of what happened the time against B-Hop.
2: From the fifth round to the twelfth round, I was in your ass.
0: And- yeah, that, that did happen. Uh, all right, final bit of news, Rafe. I feel we got let down here. There was a washed-on-washed crime over the weekend. That box rec did not have on its schedule or on either of the fighters' pages, and Dan Rayfield's boxing schedule on ESPN.com, the Holy Grail, did not have it last week. But did you read on Boxing Scene that Jason Velez dominated Orlando Cruz and route to a second round TKO in a sold out arena in Puerto Rico last Saturday? Even though, Uh. so if a washed fight happens and nobody knows about it, does it actually happen, Reef? Well, this one did. I, it's on Boxing Scene. I've seen some pictures. It's out there. It wasn't on Box Rec. It wasn't on Rayfield's uh, preview. We would have talked about it. I would have asked you last week. Do you care about Orlando Cruz and Jason Velesto? Some washed on washed crime. I would have been all over that
3: fight. The I answer would have been it. no. And the answer in the, in the, uh, now that we know the results is still no. All right. Hey, let's go to Steve Farhood.
0: He's always a fun dude to talk to. We got a lot to move <laughs> the show forward before it turns into three hours, but get ready. You're going to like this. Enjoy. All right. You know, I love a good interview, and I love bringing in a guy who's been through the wars. Nobody's been through more wars than this guy in 40 years on the boxing beat. He's International Boxing Hall of Famer and Showtime personality, Steve Farhood, entering the In This Corner podcast. Steve, great to have you back on. We talked to you back in our Grantland podcast days, Rafe and I. Now we got you back on this one. 40 years, bro, on the boxing beat. I don't know if I should congratulate you or, or sympathize with you.
4: I think a little of both. And uh, the 40 years have gone by, they seem like 60. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Now, all good, man. One thing about boxing, as you guys know, it's never boring. And if you told me when I started, I'd still be doing this at the age of 61 in 2018, I'd say, What? But it's never been boring, and and it's kept me interested, and for that I'm very grateful.
0: And those checks, Steve, they still cash. And I want to talk to you about Monday. They do. They well, they do. Oh yeah, come on. You you wear a nice suit. They better. Uh, I see it there. Uh <laughs> Monday, September eighteenth, nineteen seventy eight, was apparently this this date in boxing history where you started. What were you? A, a writer with London Publishing. Three days after Ali beat Leon Spinks in the rematch. What was Steve Farhood like forty years ago? What's going on? You you're a single. Raging man on the New York City streets. What's happening here?
4: Yeah, well, you know, the 70s was a crazy time in New York. I mean, the city was a pit, basically, back then. I'm a pure New Yorker. I've never lived anywhere else. I've been in Manhattan since I'm 12 years old. And, uh, you know, I went to, I'm a child of the 70s. I went to school at NYU in the 70s, went to high school in the 70s, and then uh, looked for a job in the 70s. And uh, in 1978, when I started a London Publishing, I uh, had a lot more hair. I I knew virtually nothing, really, from an expert's perspective about boxing. You know, in the 70s, Ali was pretty much the heavyweight division was everything. There, you know, there really weren't that many American good good American fighters in the 70s. So I I learned on the job. I learned a lot from Randy Gordon, who who worked with me for a year before he left to go to the new version of the ring. And uh, you know, all good. I I knew right away that I loved it. And having those files. You know, this is pre-Ring Magazine days, and we didn't have the Ring yet, but we had KO Magazine in 1980. Having those files to look at, the photos and the clip files, was such an education and so much fun, and that, that definitely you know, increased my, my interest and my appetite.
3: Great. Uh, part of me, uh, both Brian and Steve, I'm about to hijack a portion of this interview, um, because I, I actually, I want to ask you about New York. I'm also, I'm born and raised in New York, Steve, um, and oh, uh, grew up downtown near NYU. Did you ever, uh, go to McSorley's Old Ale House? My father is a career bartender
4: there. Oh, really? Hell yes. <laughs> wow. McSorley's is legendary. Of course I've been there. Uh, I, right. the, the only problem is I'm not a beer drinker, so kind of, McSorley's is kind of lost oh, on yeah. me. You, but but you can know, drink in my mustard, NYU though. days, my God, most of the places I went to with the exception of McSorley's, which I think is, is still open, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Well, what Rafe was yeah, trying I, to do
0: there secretly, Steve, is Rafe wrote a book last year. Not or this even, year about, not so, even. So not he's not secretly even. Even trying there. to get you into his book. But, no, it's a good segue there. I like it. No.
4: Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. But, no, I mean, everybody knows that place. Of course, McSorley's is legendary. And and the rest of the places I went to as a kid, because I was a commuter. I walked to college. NYU was nothing like it is now. You know, now it's the number one most desired college of high school students in the the country and it also cost about three and a half million dollars a year to go there um it wasn't like that when i was there it was a commuter school and i walked to college but all the places i hung out at with the exception of mcsorley's are all gone you know it's a lot of years ago
3: yeah downtown is just uh, it turns over so fast it's crazy but uh we uh, we got some good boxing stuff in there we've got the you know jerry cooney on the walls we've got uh, actually this assigned jack dempsey card you know there's some boxing lore in the bar
4: Oh yeah, it's 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 legendary and again if I were a beer drinker, I would have spent a lot more time there, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, good,
0: good luck on anything else in there. You can get the the light, the dark or the hot mustard. That's about it, Steve. But before I there get into go. the real questions I care about, Steve, let's let's pump showtime a little bit. This Friday, September 28th, we got a showbox card, a triple header, but kind of a cool twist in the main event with 19-year-old blue chip prospect Devin Haney. Jumping in there against a really tough veteran and former world title challenger Juan Carlos Burgos. But Haney's doing that, hey, I'm really young and I'm beaten, but I'm also trying to be a promoter thing. We don't see that too often, and we don't see that too often to some success. But tell us about this guy, Haney, for anybody who hasn't been following him on his rise.
4: Well, if they didn't see him in his one previous showbox appearance where he stepped up and fought Mason Menard, you are in for a treat because this kid—you got to pinch yourself. and keep saying he's 19. Is he really 19? Can somebody be this ad- advanced in the ring at 19? But he's—he's he's totally legit, and you know he beat Menard from here to tomorrow. I boxed him, boxed him beautifully. Um, now he moves up a little bit against Juan Carlos Burgos, who hasn't been particularly active. But not only is Burgos three times fought for a world title. But one of those times he fought Roman Martinez and clearly beat him and only got a draw, so he was cheated of the title. So it's a little bit of a step up. But, uh, yeah, Haney Haney's running around (laughs) – this is pretty funny. Haney's running around claiming, or his dad is, that he's the youngest promoter in boxing history. And I saw a couple of things, I think, from Ryan Sangadia and a couple other people from the Philippines. Apparently there was a 15-year-old promoter in the (laughs) Philippines years ago. So Haney is apparently at 19 not the youngest promoter in boxing.
0: Yeah, we saw Saddam Ali try this early in his rise. uh you know, normally guys wait till they get to the Floyd, Miguel Cotto level. And a lot of these guys, even for guys like Cotto and Triple G promotions, Kovalev promotions, nobody it's not a real thing, Steve. It's just a banner you hang up there. Maybe Floyd's the only guy to, to have pulled it off. But, I mean, is this a thing that he can sustain outside of being a, a good, promising young fighter?
4: Well, you know, as you said, Saddam Ali tried to make it on his own. His dad was determined to do so. Early in your career, it's easy to do that. It costs money. You got to run shows. You got to pay the opponents it's coming out of your own pocket. Later on, you find out you need the promoter. You need the major power promoter. I mean, there's virtually nobody. You know, maybe with the exception of Ray Leonard 100 years ago, who who did it independently, and it, and you have to be you have to be a Ray Leonard superstar to do that. So eventually, I'm sure Haney will you know g- g- join a major promoter who can help him guide him and go through the politics of boxing. But the fact that he's had 20 fights without signing with a um, a major promoter, you know they all want him.
2: I mean, hell, he works out at
4: Floyd Mayweather's gym. You don't think Floyd wants to sign this kid, but the dad Bill Haney and and the fighter uh, have opted to go the independent route and I say good for them if they can do it and uh you know how long that lasts, we'll see.
3: Right. And, and, you know, enough, enough business talk right now, Brian. I, I'm curious, Steve, what do you make of Haney? How, how soon, assuming he can sort of pass this next test in, in Juan Carlos Burgos, how soon do you think he can get into the championship mix there at some pretty hot divisions, you know, 130, 135, wherever he's going to land?
4: Yeah, I think 135 is for him. And I think that if he shines as much in this fight, as he did against Menard. And that might not be possible, because he couldn't have looked better than he did against Menard. And he's also in with a a tall, long-armed boxer this time. So it it may not be a spectacular performance. If if he looks good in winning, I I don't think there's any reason to think that this kid can't fight for a world title in 2019. I mean, no reason. You know, the fact that he's 19, okay, he's 19. Wilfred Benitez was 17 when he won a world title. Not everybody's Wilfred Benitez, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think he's that good. And I think uh, he'll, he's going to, you know, until he fought Mason Menard on Showbox, he hadn't really fought anybody. He had fought in Mexico a few times because of the age thing, and his quality of opposition had been pretty low. He moved way up, in Mason Menard won easily. If he wins easily this time, there's no reason to think he can't fight, you know, at least a fringe contender, maybe even a, a, a top-ten contender uh, in another fight or two.
0: But we is that know- good. But there's, oh, but what we love about Showbox is that's where we find out if you are that good. We saw Sergio Martinez's boy get, get sort of solved last week when he was on the rise. And that's sort of, you know, been the theme of Showbox. The, the unbeaten on the rise will face another unbeaten guy on the rise to find out if you're for real. And Steve, you've called a million of these and you got great stories and experiences. But if we're talking about hashtag feel spot, we're talking about the moments that like the kids say just gives me the feels. Was there ever a better showbox card you were ever a part of than Sekou cool Powell and Cornelius Bundridge for that double knockdown in the first oh, round? Oh
4: god. You know, you know, that's, that's both a great moment for me and a moment I can't stand. And I'll tell you why I can't stand it. Because if I hadn't been there in Atlanta, uh, Atlantic, uh, City, no, Foxwoods, I'm sorry. If I hadn't been at Foxwoods that night with Sekou and K9, I would have been at Corrales Castillo. Oh, the are you next
0: serious?
4: Night. Oh. Scorales Castillo, I think I think it was the boxing writers' dinner was there the night before. So I would have been there. At the time, I really wasn't working for Showtime Championship Boxing, um, at least on site. So, yeah, as much as the Saku double knockdown, which was not called a double knockdown, by the way, by the referee.
0: Oh, he, he blew, totally it. Blew, it. blew it. That guy
4: blew it. Yeah, that guy blew it, no doubt. Um, but if not for that fight, I would have been at a fight that I probably would consider the greatest fight I was ever at. And instead, I watched it on TV like everybody else, but... Yeah, so I have mixed, uh, feelings, but yeah, the Suku, uh, I mean, the Suku canine fight was amazing because not only was there a double knockdown, but there were only really three punches landed in the fight. The first two, which each guy scored a knockdown, the first punch thrown in the entire fight, and then one more from Suku, which knocked Bundridge out. And then I remember talking to Bundridge and he had no idea what had happened. He was, he was basically out, you know, unconscious. So it was, uh, it was an amazing. Yeah, that, that's, that's up there with the, the best, most interesting fights we've ever had, no doubt.
0: Can you tell us a fun story, Steve? I'm going to put a story in your mouth that you can tell us here. Wow, that was awkward. Take that, Edit that part out afterwards. But t- can you tell <laughs> us about that time you almost got Paulie Malignaggi arrested in February 2005 during the Oscar Diaz-Speedy Gonzalez fight? I love that story.
4: That that's funny. Yeah, I, I knew Paulie, of course, he's a New Yorker. I've known him his whole career before he even turned pro. And he comes up to me maybe a day before the fight and says, Hey, I really want to fight the winner of that Speedy Gonzalez fight. I said, Okay. I said, Well do this then. You know, you got a big mouth. You you are aggressive. So when the fight ends, rush the corner and I'll tell our director to make sure he spots you, you know, beforehand and uh knows where you are so that we don't miss it on camera since it's live T V. So of course whoever wins the fight wins the fight. I don't even remember who it was. Um I think it was Oscar Diaz and uh, and Paulie rushes and the security guards grab him and he says that they had every intention of arresting him and he had to kind of you know they threw him out they took they took him out of the arena but he had every intention of of, of uh, they had every intention of arresting him and uh, fortunately for Paulie they didn't but it was pretty funny and I I looked at him and laughed because it was kind of my fault but you know
0: but I, that but <laughs> it looked serious I mean on the air the cops got him the heck out of there I mean that
4: looked pretty serious. And, and Nick Charles had a great line. You reminded me of it just now. Nick Charles had a great line. He said, "And then, then and then the security guards have Paulie Malignaggi. He's going, going, gone." That <laughs> <It> was great. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, Steve,
3: I wanted to uh, sort of get your take, especially looking at the the historical side of things, um, uh, and also looking at this past weekend, the big the heavyweight fight, Anthony Joshua knocking out Alexander Provetkin. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of sort of uh, Twitter discussion chirping, uh, during and after the fight about how the, the broadcasters were, were laying it on a little bit thick with some of the grand historical comparisons, you know, and, and I think as boxing fans, we often agree with that, that, that sometimes, you know, let's not compare everyone to all time greats, but a lot of us haven't really seen a lot of all time greats. If we're on the younger end of the fan spectrum, you've been in the sport for 40 years. Is it fair to compare someone like Anthony Joshua to lennox lewis or or even greater heavyweights from 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 times past
4: no it's not fair yet no way no he hasn't accomplished that yet um he hasn't fought the next best heavyweight in the world maybe the best heavyweight in the world in the wilder after he does that then we can start making historical references but your point and your question is a great one because i remember so well when i was in my early 20s and i'm covering you know Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler and, and, and Muhammad Ali, I went to I covered his last two fights. I'm covering them, and I remember saying to myself, well, if I happen to be in this business down the road when I'm older, I promise not to be one of these older guys who says, you know what? These guys today can't hold a candle to the guys of when I was young. And now, of course, it's 2018, and what am I saying? Best fighter I ever covered, Ray Leonard. You know, one of the most exciting fighters I ever covered, Thomas Hearns. Is there anything I like cover in an Ali fight? Of course not. So I think it's just like a a, a, a a rite of passage that when you get older, you look at who was fighting when you were twenty something differently than you do when you're fifty or sixty something. It's just it's just natural. And 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 I think uh, I think I'm I'm ending up being exactly the older guy that I didn't want to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Steve, I think you might say, or I'll ask you. And I've made this comparison a lot publicly too. Like, look, these heavyweights today, they're not. The 70s, the gold, the golden era. They're not the 90s, the rebooted golden era. Which, look, I, you know, some people say those two eras might be the two best heavyweight eras in history. But this era is fun, and I don't know if it's just because we're coming off the Klitschko hangover and that 14 years since Lennox Lewis retired, where the division didn't just fall off; it it got it was buried, and the people urinated all over it but it's fun right now. So while I don't want to do what Rave said which is compare the guys today to those two decades at the very least debating who's going to win right now with three unbeaten, all above 6 foot 6, all can talk, all have a great look. I mean, is this as exciting at the very least as the heavyweight division has been since insert year?
4: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%, no argument. I'm not a fan of the heavyweight division. I've gone on record saying that many times because I feel as a heavyweight you get, you know, one out of ten really good fights. But when you have fighters with Joshua and Wilder's knockout records, how do you not as a fight fan crave a matchup between those two guys? You know someone's getting hurt in that fight. It would be, it would, it would be scintillating. I mean, I'm not, and, and as far as eras go, I remember looking at the Ring magazine when I was the editor of the magazine, and I had all the you know issues from the 20s all the way up through the 90s to look at. Every issue had somebody saying, "Oh, the heavyweights suck." <laughs> you know, we, if you take away the ali frazier Foreman era of the early 70s, and then you take away the the maybe the Bo-Lewis-Tyson um, who am I leaving out Holyfield era
1: Foreman.
4: of the 90s. There's never been a time where, where fans or writers or the media thought the heavyweights were any good. They, they all sucked. So to have a fight like this pending is very exciting for everybody. Everybody wants to see it, and it, it has definitely given life to a moribund heavyweight division, which, you know, look, the Klitschko's goes where the Klitschko's. I mean, you know, they weren't very popular here, let's face it, and I understand why. They were very good, but they weren't very popular, and the division suffered because of them. So, yeah, it's revitalized a little bit, no doubt about it.
3: And I'm I'm curious, you know, Showtime made big news over the weekend announcing that December 1st date for Wilder Fury uh what do you make of that fight we 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 get a lot of fun out of Tyson Fury on this show playing sort of his crazy quotes over and over again him singing rapping all the antics uh like do you how how much do you buy into his his comeback it it, does he is it real is he gonna be able to pull something out of his hat in this fight or is is this kind of just him cashing out
4: well, I think given the personal problems Tyson Fury's had, which we all know about, yeah. um, you know, you take it a day at a time with this guy. He's he's clearly, you know, it, it seems he's okay now, relatively speaking. I mean, he he's fought twice. He improved his his conditioning considerably the second time he fought. We can only presume he's going to continue to improve it. Um, so, you know, I'm a I'm a half glass full kind of guy. I'm going to assume Tyson Fury is is with it um, as good as he can be. And returned from, you know, a very bad personal stretch there. So if that's the case, and I said this on the air uh, Friday night during Showbox, he's he's a bitch to fight, man. You yeah, know, who wants to fight a six foot nine, 200, you know, uh, 250 pound guy who can move like that? I mean, he's going to, whether he beats Wilder or not, and Vegas says it's a pretty close fight, he's going to be difficult to fight. And, uh, it won't be easy for Wilder. Wilder obviously has a huge edge in power punching and could knock him out with one shot. Yes, it could happen. We know Fury's been down before and hurt before, but I think while it lasts, Fury will frustrate Wilder, at least, at least for some of the, some of the fight. I think it's an interesting matchup.
3: Absolutely. I mean, when when it comes down to it, there's really no one in this heavyweight division that even comes close to doing what Fury does. So, uh, whoever fights him is going to have to figure it out.
4: And the other factor is, you know, how much entertainment is there, in the, is there going to be in the pre-fight stuff? I mean, already we've seen the two of them mouth off. They're both verbal guys who like to get in each other's faces, two giant guys. You hope nobody takes a swing at the other guy <laughs> before the fight. But the, the pre-fight hype is going to be pretty good. And, you know, when a fight's pay-per-view, that, that's encouraged. Obviously, it sells. You know, so you want to see that. And then that's going to be very entertaining by itself because Tyson Fury can talk, man. He really can. And so can Deontay.
0: Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Steve, considering your experience in broadcasting, 40 years covering the sport, you've been all over TV most of your career. I'm interested in putting this in perspective because you're with Showtime, the number one guys in the game right now. HBO's dipping down, but we're seeing many changes in the broadcasting landscape where this year so far, we have only had one pay-per-view. I mean, when was the last time we could ever say that? I mean, what, like six, seven years ago? I think we had 12 or 13 in one year in terms of major pay-per-views. So with Aram taking top rank to ESPN and DAZN launching up and streaming seem be, seeming to be the future and almost each promoter having their own platform or network. Is this a wild time incomparable than anything you've seen in boxing broadcasting or is it cyclical? Because you've seen the rise and fall of pay-per-view. You've seen boxing on national TV being pulled off and now sort, seemingly coming back with PBC the last few years. Where are we at in the grander scheme?
4: Well, I think one thing I've learned over the over the 40 years is nothing happens for the first time in boxing. Every, everything's happened before in some way, shape, or form. With that said, it is a definitely a crazy time. You know, for the first, I don't know, 20 years of my career, there were two power promoters, King and Aram. Nobody chopped them down. I mean, main events came in and did pretty well as a major promoter, but, you know, that's not the case anymore. And now I find that the changing landscape is best illustrated, I think, by the fact that, what, two, three years ago, PBC came in, and Al Heyman said, I'm putting boxing on free TV. And all of a sudden, there were fights on Fox and on NBC and on Spike and on outlets that hadn't done boxing before. And they were free. And that was great. Fans loved that. Why not? It's good for the sport, right? You open up the sport to as many eyeballs as you can. Now we're only a couple of years after that. Yeah, PBC's still around. They, they, they deal with Showtime. They deal with Fox. But now we have ESPN+. Plus. We, now we have Zone, which are paid. You know, you have to pay you know, on top of paying, obviously, for Showtime and HBO. So the, the change is so rapid that that it's almost it's difficult to follow the bouncing ball. Um, and clearly, streaming is the future. Showtime's been at the forefront of that for sure. Um, but you wonder what's going to happen next. And you, you know, you have players now. I mean, Eddie Hearn five years ago, no one in America had ever heard of him, and now he's you know a major promoter with the, with the whole DAZN thing. Um, the the alliances that have been built are very strong. Yeah, it, it used to be Aram used to be with this network, and King used to be with this network. King was with Showtime for a long time, etc. So there, there were, there've always been alliances, but they just seem to be changing now so much faster, and and it's uh it's it's kind of a fascinating time, and it's another example of why boxing is different from MLB, NBA, and NFL. You know, these things, these kind of changes can't be happening in in those other sports because there's so much more structure.
0: Yeah yeah fair enough very well said. Uh Steve I don't know if you get into the ridiculous of the sport as much as we do but we're boxing degenerates we like sloppy old guy fights like if Victor Ortiz is going to fight John Molina Jr like he is on Sunday that's going to get me more excited than most, you know, Showtime Championship boxing cards. That's just the way I'm wired, okay? But I won- love that fight. I oh, love great. that fight. That's a sloppy Super Bowl. I'm all oh, man, I'm, I'm sitting in front of the fire. My, my hand's are getting warm. I'm ready just to talk about it. But, Steve, <laughs> we have degenerate listeners on this show, and they've picked up on something this calendar year. I don't know if you followed it. I don't know if you're embarrassed to hear this, but we call it Hashtag Load Watch 2018. There's that saying, when a fighter runs out of gas. What would you call that, Steve? You'd probably... Politely say he ran out of gas, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, what, this what, year what, what, what,
1: everybody's saying. Where
4: are you going with this?
1: We shoot his load. So he shot his low. Let him shoot his low, and then down the stretch, do what we do best.
0: And it's Steve. It's not three times. It's like thirty-seven times. It's Sergio Mora just on his own the other day. Might have shot his load a load. What the heck's going on here? Is that <laughs> a phrase that that you would? Avoid at the cost of death on the air, and why is it making a comeback? I think
4: it all depends on who you work for. If you're doing a show on CBS or NBC, I think you better stay away from that. But if, you, if you're on, uh, you know, pay cable or pay per view or streaming, I think you could say anything. You know, it's funny. Nick Charles and I used to kid ourselves all the time when we were doing Showbox because we were on late at night, usually, you know, sometimes it was late, as late as eleven, and we would say, "Wouldn't it be great if we could call a fight the way two guys sitting on a couch called it?" <laughs> Like, did you see
0: that effing right hand? You know,
4: and then we can't do that. We could do it, but it would be the last show we'd ever work. You know, but wouldn't it be fun if two guys could qualify using the kind of language and the kind of excitement that fight fans are using while they're sitting watching the fight? I guess it'll never happen, but maybe we're moving toward that according yeah. to uh, your soundbites. Well,
0: maybe we should start right, our yeah, own uh, Patreon pay for play. You gotta pay extra to hear the goods, you know? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I okay, love it.
0: Steve. I couldn't get you out of here because we're a sound drop show. We love ridiculousness and randomness, and bang, bang. we like weird things. You were a part of one of the weirdest and greatest interviews in your forty years of boxing with the great Annette Douglas, the mother of Antoine Douglas. Oh my God! During Showtime, I got. A, if any of the fans have not heard it, let's hear it now. All right,
1: right now, let's It's go on YouTube. For, uh, Steve Farrow. it's got a special guest with him. Steve, uh, Annette, Annette yeah. Douglas. Yes, yeah, that's me. Action, Mom. That's how we roll them. That's how we roll them. I chill back birth. My baby was told he'd never walk or talk. A four pound born baby, but look at him now. Look at him now. That's all I breathe is champ. That one right here. Look at us now. That belt's going home in his We was just waiting for our shot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's That's the easiest interview I've ever had to do. I don't have to ask any (laughs) questions
3: question. You like what you see.
1: I love it. Don't you love it? I love
4: it.
0: So ha <laughs> ha, Steve! That's a classic right there. Tell us, tell us what the heck's going through your head.
4: Oh, you know. There's something about you know I've been a writer and a broadcaster both, and there's something about live TV that just turns you on like nothing else because there are moments they don't happen often, but there are moments where you just don't know what the heck is going on, and that was one of them. I, I knew her, I knew she'd be wild in talking to her. The reason that we interviewed her live is because she was facing the cameras anyway and screaming so loud that you heard her during the fights, not not her son's fight. But the undercard fight. So my producer said, hey, you better go over there and talk to her. So at least we can identify who she is for the viewers. So I went over there and, and you know, before I knew it, you know, she's looking at my ring and we're, we're planning on getting married and, you know, and everything else. And it was, it was it was just a priceless moment. And those are the kind of things that, you know, maybe maybe that's an only in boxing moment. I but, think it uh, is. She was shadow boxing
0: it. like a like a prime Ron Stander at a Terrence Crawford fight. I mean, it was great.
4: <laughs> that was great. The, the, the moments like that are, are what make the show. They really are, you know. I I mean, you know, it wasn't a Showtime thing, but I'll never forget Holyfield-Lewis, the rematch in Vegas. I'm working for CNN with Fred Hickman and... This drunken fan starts screaming at us, we're on a platform, no security, and he comes up and attacks me while I'm on live TV. It's about 1 in the morning, East Coast time, so not too many people saw it. But those, you know, attacked me twice, came came in and, and, and Fred Hickman said, well, let's go inside to Nick Charles. We'll be right back. We have an issue here. And, and it was all, I have the video. So, its you know, those are the kind of things that make TV so much fun.
0: Hey, Steve, 40 years in the business, you're a Hall of Famer. Big part of what Showtime's doing this Friday. Showbox returns, of course, with that triple header, Devin Haney and Juan Carlos Burgos. Thanks so much for the time, Steve. We could, we could do a half hour with you every week. It could be, it could be a segment. You're that good. Great chatting with
4: you. Well, it's great chatting with you guys. I appreciate it, Brian and Rafe, and we'll, we'll do it again soon. Great, great stuff. Thank you,
0: Steve. Rafe, I love me some Steve Farhood.
3: Hashtag Farheads, right? I'm, I'm a big fan. We, we love Steve Farhood so much that we once used Farheads as part of a, a shared password for a Snapchat account back in the old wow. Rope Snapcast days. Wow. Yeah.
0: People could probably still get in with that for that password and, and revive it right there. Hey, Ray uh, great stuff with him. I'm actually going to check out that showbox card this weekend. You know, let, let's see, let's see what this guy's got. Let's see what this Devin Haney's got, bro. Floyd advocate. Let's see what he's got. All right. He's going to promote himself.
3: Good luck to you. Good luck to you, bro. He- I, I want to see, you know, let's see. I'm kind of curious, Do after this weekend, will you be more sold on him than you are sold over the moon on the man Teofimo Lopez? That's a good question, and
0: it plays right into our weekend preview. Do you care edition? It starts, meet me in Temecula, Friday night showbox. That's the card we've been talking about. Devin Haley, Juan Carlos Burgos, 10 hey, rounds knee. of lightweights. Haney, pay me, pay me. Uh Rafe, Burgos can fight. We've seen him in there against a few names. Steve Farhood mentioned he had that fight with Rocky Martinez. You like Haney in this one a lot or not? Do you care about it? I'll be watching. I don't really care. All right. All right. Well, maybe we'll talk about it in the future if Haney surprises us and looks great. But I care. I like to see the kid get the win here.
3: Let's Burgos, go. I think Burgos is pretty washed, man. He's, a, he's, a, he's on the, our, our Dennis Mendez track to, to hell. It's, it's, oh, he's he, a, he's not, he's not coming track. in with a whole lot of – he's not testing anybody. He's just a name. He's just a resume builder, bro. He's 30 years old from Mexico, how many losses would you
0: guess he's coming in with at this point? How many in a row? Four?
3: Four in a oh, row. Oh, in a row. Yeah. 37 in a row? He's,
0: just, he's only 33-2-2. Two and two. And guess what, Rafe? He hasn't lost since that Mikey Garcia fight in 2014 at, at the MSG Theater. I covered that fight. I also threw up in my car the next morning after that fight. That's a bad, gross story. <laughs> I blame Kerry Mulvaney in whiskey shots. That, that was a, uh, yeah. All right. Hey, so he had the... Draw with Roman Martinez, the draw with Jacobo Amidu, then he lost to Mike Garcia. They never lost again, Rafe, so take that, all right, bro? Maybe he's not washed. Maybe this is going to be a tough fight, all right?
3: I would love to see that. You don't care about
0: that. All right, moving on, Rafe. Do you care about Friday night in Oakland, California? On ESPN+, Plus, Rafe, it's a streamer, and the main event is Jose Uzcategui versus Ezequiel Moderna, 10 rounds light heavyweights, even though Uzcategui is a super middleweight. Do you care?
3: I don't care about his people. I don't care about his career. I don't care about his life. I don't care. Wow.
0: wow. All right. There's the sound, but I couldn't find. Uh, co-main event. Your guy, Jerwin Ancajas versus Alejandro Santiago for Ancajas' IBF Junior Bantamweight title.
3: Jerwin Ancajas. I still don't really care. I like him, but geez, what, who is this guy? Where are they pulling his fights out of? I, I gotta watch these things and I don't even know what I'm watching anymore sometimes. Alright, do you care about Rico Ramos, former world title
0: holder in it versus TBA on that undercard? He's only 31 Rico Ramos. He's washed though, but do you
3: care? Rico Ramos, really? The only, the, the most fun thing about Rico Ramos' career is the time he fought Ronnie Rios, cause it's just fun to say. That is, that is true. Do you know that, uh,
0: that Ramos is on a, a five, uh, five fight win streak? You don't care about that, right?
3: I still don't care. Alright, right.
0: Uh, I will ask you one more on that undercard. Uh, your man from, uh, from, uh, Pinoy Thunder, uh, Genesis Servania versus
3: Carlos Carlson, 10 rounds featherweights. Do you care? Yeah, I'm gonna go and say I care about you this one because I loved Servania's ballsy performance against Oscar Valdez last year. The guy has Balls. He fights like a tough,
0: tough gang member, and I probably screwed his mom in the
3: Philippines.
0: Hey, Rafe, I know you do care about hashtag Road to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia on Saturday. Finally, the WBSS World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight Final. George Groves versus Callum Smith for Groves' WBA 168 title and the damn Muhammad Ali Trophy, Rafe. I know you care. Who
3: is going to win? I do care. I do care. And I would say I favored George Groves. I think I still do favor George Groves in this fight. However, man – the Cobra, Carl Frotch has been laying it yes. on him so thick, the mind games are st- still continue. He's still giving him a bit of a pull, a little bit of a tug. The handshake has not finished between these guys, and I, I, it kind of makes me worried that Gross is going to get psyched out and lose this fight. He's going to be on social media hearing Carl Frotch clown him, seeing seeing Carl Frotch's Instagram stories and be like, oh, and there's a, there's a corner where George fell in 2015 in front of yeah, go
1: ahead. Play it for me. Yeah, I'm at the Wembley Stadium. Absolutely pouring with rain ahead of the AJ Povetkin fight. It's not going to fail what happens in this ring. Actually, that spot there is where George Groves landed.
0: God, that's brilliant. you sent me some what other you- sound I didn't have time to get where they. he was like, oh, I was just kidding about George Groves. But what's he going to do about it, really? Really? What's he going to do about it? I mean, he's just still
3: clowning on that guy. you love it. Oh Well, you know, George Groves, he talked a big game before that first fight and, and tried to really get in Frotch's head. And Frotch, you know, I guess Frotch is, is going to get his, uh, his pound of flesh is still coming out of that. Um, Brian, is there anything we should say about this fight in a meaningful way? Do you, how do you see it playing out? What does it look like?
0: I think it'll be action. George Groves' fights are fun. They really are. There's going to be action here. Look, Kelm Smith is a top bloke. I mean, he's would Frank Warren call him a top operator? I'm not really sure. Would Mike Coppinger call him a top operator?
1: You're a, you're, a, you're a quality operator, a quality bloke, a quality fighter.
0: Uh Maybe. But look, this is George Groves' fight to win. He's kind of turned his career around from being the lovable loser B-side to getting a world title to... Really fighting with a lot of friggin' heart. I know you love all these Smith brothers. You love them in all shapes and sizes. And Come Callum's on. unbeaten at 24-0, 17 KOs, right in his prime at 28. But when you look over his his resume, I see more DJ kickboxers like Nikki Holtzkin than I do guys on the level. I know he beat unbeaten Rocky Field. I know there's a couple names, but no, George Grove's going to win this fight. It's going to be action-packed. i will probably go 12. It'll be a fun fight.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think I, I also favor George Groves. It is uh, Callum Smith has just he's eaten a lot of pies over the years. He's been eating mostly pies, and, and, and but he is he, the the length, the this the the height. He is an interesting fighter in that division. I guess it's time to put up or shut up. And George Groves is basically the guy who will who will find you out if you are not real, as we saw against Chris Eubank Jr.
1: I'm
0: talking to this man like I'm talking to this man. <laughs> I'm sorry, champ. <laughs> uh Rafe, in the co-main about it is Chris Eubank Jr. against J.J. McDonough, super middleweights, 10 rounds. You don't care outside
3: of seeing the highlight of the knockout, right? I don't care. I, I, maybe Eubank's dad, I, I, he will say something funny for me. I, that's what I'm looking forward to. All
0: right, all right. Respect. Yeah, I love that guy. What's his name? Chris Eubanks Sr. Yeah, that's it.
1: I want to enjoy the magic of the instrument, which is my body,
0: <laughs> aha Rafe, do you care in Madrid Spain this weekend when Mark Vidal enters a rematch with Kiko Martinez for Vidal's Vidal Sassoon's <laughs> European featherweight title. Do you care about that? <laughs> Look, I, I, like, I like Kiko Martinez. I care a little bit, but man, I had
3: no clue this fight was happening. All
0: right. I know you don't care about the card in Changsha, China over the weekend. That's headlined by Wulan. Lace Hazi versus Jair Rakinel, It's a flyweight bout. I know you don't care about the co-main, which is Zamin Wong versus Hero Tito in a flyweight, lightweight bout. But, Rafe, do you care about the third fight on that card? My guy, Zhang Jelay versus Donald Hainsworth. Ten rounds heavyweights, bro. Come on. Come on.
3: Uh Look, I'm looking forward to when Zhang Jelay joins joins Taishan Dong down there in the WWE, whatever, recruitment camp in Florida. Oh,
0: wow. Do you know anything about Don Haynesworth or are we just ready to almost end the show before we get to this lap?
3: Never heard of the man in my life. I don't care about,
0: he's 15-2-1. He's, uh, yeah, he, you may have seen him from a knockout loss to Bryant Jennings, but that's about it. Hey, moving on, Rafe. Here we go. All right. We're getting closer to what we care about. Saturday, Facebook watch from Indio, California. It's a Golden Boy special. Todd Grisham will not be there because he's got glory kickboxing, but maybe we'll get some A.C. Slater. Maybe somebody will... He, he may have shot his wad still. The man who may shot his wad is a good-looking man. Jorge Linares is a comeback fight. It's a 140 bout. Junior welterweight against Abner Cotto.
3: Do you care, Rave? Yeah, I care, man. I want to see what Linares looks like at the new weight, uh, coming back off that loss to, to Lomachenko, see how he looks mentally, see if he's strong. Uh Yeah, yeah, and and I like... Seeing Linares in a new division, if he can, if he can carry the weight up there, hey, that's fun. He's, he's a fun fighter at 140. There's good fights.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, from Los Cabos, Mexico on BN Sports Español, Jose Carlos Paz versus Jorge Paez Jr. in a rematch at middleweight 10 rounds. Paz versus Paez. I think champ, you're going to need about seven or more, eight more of those pies, right?
3: Yeah. I don't care, man. Right. I don't care. Let's get
0: to where it care. matters in your backyard on Sunday. Ontario, California, which is probably, I'm going to guess, eight miles from your house, but probably takes three hours to get there, right?
3: More is probably 30 or 40 miles, but but it actually is not that hard to get to on a Sunday because it's a straight-east, boom.
0: Sunday, Fox Sports 1, Fox Deportes, the fight we really do care about. Victor Ortiz, John Molina Jr., 12 rounds, welterweight. Oh, heck yeah, Rafe. Wow, yeah! And you got to understand how exciting this is because Vio is actually coming off a good performance against Devin Alexander where he didn't crumble. You know, like he fought hard and looked a little bit closer to the VO of the first Berto fight than he did any other fight where he ate pizza. So I think this could be extra, extra sloppy like we imagine this could end up with the fight ending after two rounds, of course, disappointingly. And I'm
2: young, but I don't think I deserve to be, you know,
0: getting beat, yeah, getting beat up like this, but uh it also, Rafe, could just turn into a thrilling action fight. The key question here that we have, jokes aside, how long can Vio take Molina's best shots? Not can he. How long can he take Molina's best shots?
3: Not long. I I would say if Molina is landing, Vio is checking out of that fight. We see what happens when Vio gets hit with a good punch. He finds a way out.
0: So are you saying essentially, not trying to be a jerk here, but you don't see an avenue for victory for Ortiz? Are you calling this an L before it's an L?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm picking Molina in this fight. I don't think I, I just unless unless Vo comes out as a box, uh, trying to box and move and not letting Molina get anything off. Basically, stays away from the right hand. Do the 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 failed Mickey Bay thing that Mickey Bay almost did before getting knocked out at the end of his fight with Molina. Uh, Unless VO dances and runs and, 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 and just jabs and picks him up, picks them apart like that, which I think he could do, but he probably won't do. Uh, then I don't think he wins that fight, because if, if you, if, uh, he, if you are going to get into a fight with John Molina, he's eventually gonna land one of those big right hands, and I don't, we, ha- we have no reason to believe that Victor Ortiz is going to stick around long after taking one or two of those right hands.
0: Right, you're, you're saying then you
3: think Molina's power carries to 47, that's essentially what you're saying. That's fine. Yes, against another 140 pounder?
2: He right, already well, fought
3: Matisse and knocked him down twice. I mean, Matisse. This is like this is like the more easily ver- discouraged version of Lucas Matisse. Does it change your mind at
0: all when you hear this quote from Victor Ortiz's media day? You have to keep that fire burning inside you to keep competing in this sport. You have to go in there 100 miles per hour. This is a sport, and I'm going in there to destroy him. Then we can go have lunch after. End quote. Not only do I want to be at that lunch, Rafe, but he sounds hungry. He
3: sounds hungry, bro. VO always talks this stuff. He talks a good game. He comes in and says the right things. That's the that's part of the VO experience. And then afterwards, they're gonna show it to whatever happened. However, he manages to lose this one. They're gonna show him whatever freak occurrence happens in the <laughs> ring, and he's gonna look at it on the iPad and go, "Whoa, bro, that's, oh, that's crazy! He I can't this believe fight. it. Oh, going to punched my jaw." After
0: he wins this fight, I can't wait for him to do this.
2: Mayweather, you owe me, dog, come on! Let's get <laughs>
0: what do you think? Ray Floyd, yeah, all right. Oh uh, no, Molina's gonna stop him. I say, I say, Vio hangs around for a while, but Molina's gonna stop him. I mean, it's gonna be a weird stoppage. It's gonna be like a half quit. Uh, it is what it is, Rafe. All
3: right, that's that is it's true. We, that's what we're getting with with Victor Ortiz now, and we kind of know it. It's the, the, you take the good with the bad. We still love him, but we know what we're getting when he steps in the ring. I still think we can get
0: a Birdo trilogy, and it'll be fun. And I hope he's got a couple left of those variety, but that's kind of mean for me because he's going to have to get knocked out to be in those fights. So, but I'd watch a re- I'd watch a rematch tour with everybody who beat him. I'd watch the whole, the whole tour. Floyd included. Anyway, do you care about Brandon Figueroa versus Oscar Escandon, Featherweight's co-man event? Brandon's the brother of Omar. No? All right. that's nice. Alright, do you care about this heavyweight Joe Joyce that a lot of people like? Hell yes I do! The juggernaut! Against Iago Kiladze, eight rounds. About-
3: that's the guy that, uh, that's the pie that, uh, Luis Ortiz ate a few months ago, right? Yago? Yes. I yes. believe it is. Uh, jo- Joe Joyce is fun to watch. He's really a weird, awkward fighter. He's huge, really carries himself big in the ring and, and throws awkward punches that just seem to blow people up. I mean, his fight against Lenroy Thomas made no sense because he, th- the, the, it doesn't look like Joyce is getting a lot of leverage in these shots. They're not coming straight, but he, as soon as he touched Thomas, the guy was just, the fight was basically over. He, he Thomas hung in there, but you could tell it was a wrap. Uh, so it's, he's got, he got real heavy hands or he seems to have real heavy hands. And he's kind of funny. I don't know if you could fight that way against real good heavyweights, but for now it's going to be fun to see how far he can take it. Just so you know, the juggernaut, five and oh with
0: five KOs from London. Six foot. He's an artist. Six six, Rafe. We'll see what happens with this guy. Also on the undercard, FAA Jagba versus T B A. Isn't the Jagba the guy that Curtis Harper ran away from?
3: Alright, this is his makeup fight. Maybe maybe shoot. Get, get Yago Kaladze, he could fight both of them. He could make two, <laughs> you know, he, same, they could split that pie in half. In get that other pie, Travis
0: Kaufman, he's probably hanging around somewhere, right? He, remember when he was on that PBC main event on like the Brown Sugar app like six months ago? Rafe to close, James DeGale, in almost a <laughs> Night of Champions scenario, is gonna be on this undercard eight rounds versus TBA light
3: heavyweight bout. What? What? I don't know, I think I think the is waiting for a big fight, maybe with George groves, maybe with some, well, one of these bigger names to get available, and I guess he just needs something to stay busy. This doesn't look great. it looks like what are you doing in the sport right now? He obviously turned down the fight with Uskata Gee, which is happening this weekend with some other guy that you already mentioned, uh one of these modernas or somethings uh some pie uh. I don't know. Chunky, Chunky might just be a pie himself these days. I don't know what's left. Wow.
0: I never thought that Caleb Truax, our guy, would have taken that man's soul of it. No, actually Badu Jack removed the soul.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that, that was the day that the soul departed.
0: Alright. Special, uh, thanks again to our guest, Steve Farhood of Showtime and 140 Champ. Ruguru, Regis Pro Special thanks to Rafe Bugs. Hey, check out his newsletter every Friday. Go to at Rafe on Twitter to be a part of this Respect Box movement every Friday-ish. Also, buy his new book, Love and Basketball. Hey, you heard him talking about it earlier. Buy the other book, too. McSorley's My Dad and Me, 2 and 2, written by Rafe Bartholomew. Guys, I mean it. I did check out McSorley's with Rafe. That was, that was a badass time. Rafe, I got to get back there for another cheeseburger and uh, cheese plate. I got to do it. All right.
3: Go for it, man. There's going to be some fights in New York soon. Maybe sometime when you're going down there for the Garden or or whatever the next Barclays fight is. I don't know if I can go there without you, though. You're
0: like the, you're like the mayor in there. They know you. They just flock to you. If I'm just a regular patron, if I'm not in there with Rafe books. going with your man, the Flash, Mike Quinn. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Do you have any message, Rafe, before you give the exit? That give the people before you you rip that off and show your S. Do you have anything to say to the people? Anything else you want to sell? Anything?
3: I want to sell just these two words, Brian. We out.